Friday, June the 17th, 2022. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. We've got a lot to jump into today. Some Friday racing. We're going to get through Santa Anita. Closing weekend on the Santa Anita meet. So we'll hit Friday and Saturday for Santa Anita. We've also got Saturday. We're going to get Monmouth Park with the, the on-track paddock host analyst, Samantha Perry. She joins us to talk about the four stakes races that end the Saturday card on Monmouth. I mentioned I'll hit Saturday Santa Anita. We'll also hit Saturday Louisiana Downs full card this week in wrestling with Chad Cooper. And an instant reaction to the NBA Finals. Golden State Warriors win in six games. We just recorded after game six. Eric joins me to talk about the NBA Finals on this episode of That's What G Said, presented by Better Than Dot Vegas at BTV Bets. Give them a follow on Twitter. Incredible live stream schedule, all sorts of videos from handicappers and gamblers all around the world, just trying to help you become a better, better. Everything's free over there. All the live streams, all the analysis, all the content is free. Give them a follow at BTV Bets. Let's dive on in to talk some NBA. We'll recap game six of the NBA finals and put a little ribbon and a bow on the NBA season. Eric joins. NBA! Well, we've been here with you for every week of the NBA season. Eric and myself uh, were together to preview every game, every individual game, and every day there were games of the NBA playoffs over at Better Than Vegas. And Eric joins me to put a bow on the NBA season. It's the final moments of the Boston Golden State NBA Finals. Game six here in Golden State. Is just about to go on to win this one, Eric. Uh, they end up winning what three games in a row, right? Down two games to one, end up going three games uh, in a row, and they end up doing pretty well. I think for what we kind of predicted overall in the series was pretty accurate, right? Close to like a lot of four twos in the mix. I think I had Golden State four two and four one. I had Golden State minus a game and a half. So those will end up cashing, and I know you had. A fantastic run throughout the whole NBA season and the NBA playoffs. So, uh, uh, shout out to you, man. You did a uh, really, really good stuff. Oh, thanks, man. You know, wasn't the best day today, but you know, it is what it is. Um, game was a little weird. Uh, Celtics. You tried to call today. this in our text chat. It was almost like the the text chat was being broadcast into the Celtics uh, huddle because every time you called the game over, it, I mean, it was like 20, 20 plus points and it looked like Golden State was going to crush them. And every time you texted and said it was over, which it was, they were always going to win. They would make like a little run of like, you know, a 10 point run. And I would go, damn it, Eric, you better not have jinxed us. You better not have done this. But I the- mean, the thing is, is like at the end of the day, the Celtics just can't score enough. I mean, no. everyone was, you know, that's, and- that, that's just the thing. Um, Don't get me wrong. I flipping... Love Marcus Smart. Um, they played really so. Just, you know, so we can say multiple. Like, go ahead, go ahead. Three things like they're just lack of situational awareness. Basketball is just mind-boggling to me. Leo I and I kind of were going back and forth. He says the game was decided by fouls, whatever. I believe the last game was decided on the buzzer beater by Pool. Yeah, just uh, flip the energy. But I mean, like, it's just situation. Tatum goes with nine seconds left. Why are you going with nine seconds left? Creates a shot for Brown, who shoots it with six seconds left. No, five seconds left. 
None of that should have happened. If there's any situational awareness on the offensive end, that pool three is not happening. Um, Smart, they have, you look at the end of the Miami game, there's just no guard. They don't seek out matchups. Um, You had Al Hortford guarding Steph Curry. You know, why isn't, you know, why, why aren't you posting up Al Hortford? Like, that is the stuff that just doesn't make sense to me with what they're trying with what they're trying to do. Like they just don't have any awareness on on the offensive end. And what ended up happening for Boston, and again, we can say multiple things about them. Did they play really hard pretty well through a lot of this playoff run? Yes. Did they ever really feel like a championship team? And did they to me, no. And did they sort of benefit from you know, some circumstance and, and that's why you got to take advantage, Eric. And, and that doesn't take in, that's not taking anything away from them. You and I have had this conversation over and over on this show and on other shows where every year you can look at the championship team and say, they got a little lucky along the way, right? You know, they, they, most years they catch their, just the healthier team at the right time. Does that mean they're lucky or good or a combination of it all? Sure. But with, with Boston, it's not as if they are a juggernaut, right? It's not as if we look at them and go, they are going to just be dominating the league for the next few years because you look around and think Milwaukee with the healthy Middleton was probably going to be, you know, a, a really, really tough out. They had a tough time dealing with the Miami team that was pretty banged up. This was a great opportunity for Boston, and they were up two games to one. Things sort of regressed to the mean because they were shooting really lights out and and shooting crazy in some of their wins. But this is going to feel like a situation that they probably, I wouldn't say squandered, They, but they were in a really good spot about a week ago, you know, up two games to one. And feeling like you were catching teams like Golden State wasn't playing very well. Draymond wasn't playing very well and they got kind of backed into a corner and did what the, what the good teams do and the better teams do. They showed up and they fought back. Yeah. Um Mike, <clears throat> excuse me, the message that my buddy sent me, why did Middleton have to get hurt? Like that's that's literally the text. No, exactly. Got. You're right. Like they like, he sent me the message why Middleton why Middleton get hurt. Um yeah. This Golden State team wasn't unbeatable. They took advantage, but like when you like really look at stuff, um, second half of the season, like you and I have talked about clutch. What do you know what the Celtics record was in clutch games? Well, they were one like, of the awful, and three it was and five, three and, and five it, in the second half. So, I mean, when this big run was happening that they had the second half of the season, it was against subpar teams, you know, well, and, it wasn't and, against better teams. So, and what ended up happening, even, even <laughs> what, what's funny, even in the games where they were. Playing better teams, they were beating them pretty sort of handily, or and 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 sometimes they were kicking the crap out of teams. But what ended up happening was they didn't play a lot of clutch situations, and the times they did, their their clutch numbers were awful. Tatum's were horrible, and the playoffs are a lot of times going to be mostly clutch. Right this year it was weird for for like a round where it felt like there was like nothing there were a lot of blowouts back and forth. It's not normally like that. No, these not. these games are tight fights down to the last five minutes. It's close, and then one of the teams sort of prevails. You know, whoever's yeah. got the better closer that that time or the role players step up. And yeah, it wasn't. You're right. As a Milwaukee fan, 
it wasn't as if this Golden State team felt like they were un, an unbeatable foe. Nope. Um, they, um, how are we going to word this? Uh, this I mean, we didn't think Clay was going to be ready this year. He won a title with Andrew Wiggins as the second best player on the team. Uh, this team, I'm not the biggest Jordan Poole guy. I think he has a, some defensive liabilities. Yep. But, you know, they got. They got the job done. They're in a pretty good position to be able to uh, transition because we have to remember they have Wiseman still, who's just kind of sitting there on the bench. Everything I hear from scouts is they got the kids are real the real deal if he can stay healthy. Um, you throw that rim protector in there, that's a pretty little dangerous team. Then you got Kaminga and Mooney like moving forward. Uh, I think they're in line to make a smooth little transition from the old guard, if you will, of Draymond. Curry and Thomas to these young players of Wiseman, Mooney, and Poole and Kaminga. Yeah, and you got to be careful because these three guys aren't getting any younger, right? Mm-hmm. And they, and they need that because Draymond, we saw, he's not going to be able to play at that high level, that this high of level for much longer. The, the, he and was get, he was getting exposed on the offensive side, and he's the guy that sort of makes it all go. He knows where to get them the ball, when to get them the ball, how to get them the ball, and if he becomes it's a little less athletic and a little less impactful defensively. And he's not able to just be quite as sharp offensively. You know, Steph's Steph will, will be fine as a shooter as he gets older, but he, the way he plays running around, you know, he, he's got to be healthy and clay was awesome, but clay has already had, you know, a couple really bad injuries. You never know how long he's got or, how much mileage he really has at, at top level. This was also big for all of these teams. You can say we're going to be back. We're going to look great. But dude, the Lakers said the same thing a couple years ago, right away. You, we, we all say it with all their teams. And then all of a sudden guys are hurt. Something happens. It starts to linger. Here it goes. You, you know, it's, this was a, a yeah, really good year. Know. Like you said, yeah. for them to take advantage of maybe not getting an a plus team from the East. Maybe you got like a B plus team from the East this year. Right, so you didn't need to necessarily be an A. All you needed to really be was like an A minus, a little bit, a little bit higher of a B plus, and that's it's kind of what we we got from Golden State. It it felt like they were always going to be able to punch back. You called that we should bet the series when they were down two to one, which was nice because that was once they flipped to the underdog, right? At that point, yeah, plus one ninety. Yep, yep, which um, was a another great call. They um, <laughs> and then also everyone's talking about like they need to pay pool. They need to play Wiggins. I mean, this is like, in terms of, how can I wear this? He had this big reputation of not wanting to play basketball and not liking the basketball. Basketball. He played every single game of the year. I don't know if you remember. He didn't want to get the vaccine. He could have done gone the whole Kyrie route. He tried to play, do the re- religious exception. That didn't work. He just quietly got the shot, just not to be a headache. Yep. He's improved his game, and they're not winning the title without him. No way. I mean, the defense he provided, the clutch shooting, the rebounding, it was a phenomenal thing. And they that's the guy they need to keep. They don't play in Jordan Poole right now. Is, they need to is, worry about paying Andrew Wiggins. Is he, in this role this year, can everybody afford to pay, like, the guy who slots in as, like, your number three-ish guy that much money? Probably, probably not, but every team wants a guy that l- looks, acts, is the size of Wiggins. 
Every every team I wants a, wants a couple wings just like that that are two way wings that are improved that don't really need the ball. But you know what? He's he showed enough that he's he can get his own shot. He's not like a dependent shooter. He can go to the rim. He was really aggressive with throwing down some nasty dunks, and it was just it's. Man, we we get it, we get the like you said it's it's a reputation thing, and and some of these guys that come out of college and Wiggins was highly touted and supposed to be so great, and he's a great NBA player, but maybe he just wasn't the guy who was supposed to be your number one lead the franchise type player. That's just sort of not his role. That's not who he is. He's much better when he can be this guy. He can be. Like your third-ish best guy And some nights be your leading scorer Some nights be the guy that dominates and has that game But you don't need that from him every night Every night he'll give you pretty good defense You know Every night he's not a headache He doesn't say a whole lot He doesn't mess with your team chemistry He he would be in Like for me thinking in a perfect world Right now The type of player that the Lakers would would need to get To go along with what they have right now Would be like an Andrew Wiggins guy he would be perfect with a LeBron in 80. And that's the thing. He's perfect for any team playing this way. He can't, he just can't be like your number one. Probably not really your number two if you count on it all along. He can kind of step up into that role. He's really nice right here if you've got like two other scorers that you can depend on a little bit more than him. Um, yeah, I don't think he can be your alpha, but we have to remember when Jimmy Butler was with the Timberwolves, all I talked about was how. By far, Wiggins was the most talented guy on the team, and that um, was the perfect slotting for him, right? Because when it was him and Towns, nah, it didn't really work. But when it was him, Towns, and Butler, that was when they were actually at their best, because he kind yeah. of got to again be like the third-ish guy yeah. there, you know, yeah. like two the 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 two B guy, you know. <laughs> yeah, and like we got to give credit to Golden State's player development. I mean, his jump shots improved a lot more. Um. His finishing ability and his rebounding So he's definitely taking that next step forward It's going to be interesting to see what he does And let's not forget We got to give Bob Myers some credit too He realized Durant was leaving He was able to flip Durant For D'Lo in a sign and trade And then he was able to flip D'Lo For Wiggins And I think Kaminga That's who they got So that's a pretty good With the draft pick I, That was a pretty good flip job for Myers To be able to replace Durant the way he did this is a good this is a good win for them. And you know, now things change a lot from one year to the next. And we're gonna have the NBA draft coming up soon and we're gonna have um a lot of movement around the draft. We've already seen some trades happen. Christian Wood went to the uh, the Mavericks, so they'll hope that he can help them a little bit. But it still feels what what's fun what's nice about right now is that this was a good win, like we said, for Golden State, but it still feels really wide open heading into next year again. Yeah, I mean that was a sneaky good move by both teams. I feel for the Wigan, for the I guess for the Woods, the Woods trade, um, the Rockets. It <coughs> excuse me, frees up uh, playing time for that kid from Turkey they drafted last year, and whoever they get with the third pick. Plus, they don't have to pay Woods, whose contract is coming up for the Mavericks. You need to remember, Woods scored the twenty eighth most points in pick and roll. Last year in the NBA while rolling to the while rolling and finishing at the basket, um, with poor point guard play to put it best, 
in um Houston. In Houston. So I mean, I think he's gonna thrive. He just has to be at the rim and he's competent defensively. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And yeah, and rebounding. I think this is a great I think this is a great spot and a great situation because Dallas was looking and said, Hey, we don't have anything up front. I think this is a great find. I mean, when you look what they traded, they're not gonna get anything at the twenty sixth pick but no. provide value this year. And those and, guys, Bogdan, uh Trey Burke, and I'm spacing on who the oh, uh Chris, they're all going to be cut. So, I mean, you know, th- it was great move by both teams in my eyes. Yeah, I think, and if he can, <coughs> Jason Kidd's have been a very good defensive coach. If he can help him just get in the way a little bit, he might be someone to look at early in the year in like a fantasy league if you play any season long or like DraftKings type stuff because he might be able to really stack up some easy looks there with uh, with Luca. That that's uh, yeah, that's something to keep an eye on and. We will monitor any news that happens in the offseason Maybe we'll talk either before or after the draft And uh, just, you know, see see what went down If there was anything important or pivotal Or any big trades that happened But Eric, our conversation is going to shift over Quite a bit to uh, to football Now when we start talking Is there anything uh, else you wanted to say About this game or uh, final NBA thoughts Before we get out of here? Uh, yeah, the Celtics really need to take a look At the point guard position I love Smart, but like I said earlier they need somebody to cut down on their silly mistakes. And I really think if they do have a true lead guard, and that's tough because I love Marcus Smart, I think it would be better for them long-term. Um, I really hope Robert Williams gets the treatment on the knee he deserves. We saw he's basically out there playing on one knee, what a defensive force he is and what he can do. Kind of an interesting spot for Boston. Uh, Tatum, I think. Tatum, how can I say this? Not quite ready for prime time, if that makes sense. Still in that tier two discussion. He got sort of anointed a little early. You yeah, know, it, people were to... people were wanting to put him there because he had some great games, but you got to do it night in, night out, carry it, the load, and you got to make sure that you don't want to just say, okay, well, we got so close to winning a title that our team is perfect and set, and we're almost there because. The other teams that were around you are getting are going to get better. Brooklyn is going to have either Joe Joe Harris and Simmons or some combination, you know, something more than they had there to go along with what they had. You know that Milwaukee is going to come back firing, and Giannis is not just going to be sitting on his just sitting and resting and and watching this and and being happy that he's not there hoisting the trophy. This is yeah, this is going to be a big year for Boston too to prove that this wasn't kind of a fluke. You know? Yep, they're yep, it's gonna be interesting to see like what they do and everything and the next step they take. Um if they're able to build on what they um what they did that next excuse me, what they did the second half of the season. Eric buddy, thank you so much, man. All year long. We went from NFL straight on into the NBA and now we'll uh we'll head back to the NFL and start previewing, you know, divisions and fantasy positions and uh yeah, we'll do a little something different each and every week and uh, and, and talk some football on the uh, on the road there. But next week, we probably won't catch up or do anything. I'll give you a week off. How's that sound? Uh, you can you can you can relax after a, a very a hard earned uh, NFL into NBA season. Thanks, man. You've like you become a big, big part of this show. You're you're on here um, as, as much as anybody else. And uh, it's been awesome the last couple of years, man. You do such a great job. I know a lot of people have learned. A lot of stuff from you. We get great feedback from everyone. And uh, give us um, your plugs. What uh, what stuff are you focusing on this week on your on your pod? And, and uh, what kind of stuff do you have going on? Uh, my pod. I'm just going to talk a little NBA. I talk a, 
about the the wood trade a little bit more in depth for the uh, for the Mavericks. Jim comes on, give out some USFL and um, CFL bets, and then Tuesday, Jim and I are going to break down the Conference USA. Nice, so and those will be that. you'll have weekly, right? You just did the MAC the other day. If people want to check that one out, you did some action. And then uh, each yep. week will be a different conference. We'll start our NFL previews coming up for divisions. A um, lot going on over at Better Than Vegas too. Eric does a great job over there. A lot of uh, what UFC, NASCAR stuff. So you see, uh, you see Eric uh, over there quite a bit. So thanks so much, buddy, and uh, have a, a good weekend. Good luck with uh, with all your plays, and we'll talk again in uh, in a week or so, and, and uh, you know start talking football. All right, sounds good, man. Have a good weekend. Okay, make sure to give Eric a follow, folks. Uh, NBA season in the books. The Golden State Warriors are your NBA champs. Horse racing fans, many of us have been using the DRF, the daily racing form, for years, studying the races, keeping up to date on news with all the articles. I remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack, wherever I was going. Now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use DRF with DRF.com and the newly optimized DRF Mobile. You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. Past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to drf.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse and you get those same DRF past performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts, for replays if you get the formulator version. And even on the classic past performances, you get the home screen with horses, with odds, with buyers. You get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph. You can rotate your phone for the best view. And any horse that you click on, you'll see the running lines. You can easily move from horse to horse. The same data as those traditional classic DRF past performances. You get an interactive format, which is... Very similar to the DRF Classic version that you're used to on the desktop. Every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches. And so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone. Cross-device functionality. You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next. And then access your account on any of your devices. On-the-go handicapping and wagering multiple formats to view you got the overview page with recent speed figures current days odds easy access to expert selections and analysis you got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse and you got those traditional drf past performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones they are constantly upgrading improving and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at drf.com better you want to spread your pony knowledge by
wishing fantasy come true But no, 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 Stable Duel Download the Stable Duel app and play today Stable Duel, get those entries in and play, race, win And remember, Friday morning every week We have our This Weekend in Stable Duel show free It's on Twitter if you give us a follow at Stable Duel Or if you follow me, it's me, Gino B It also streams there this weekend, we're going to go live at 9 a.m. Eastern Time because there are some games for Royal Ascot. If you want to play Royal Ascot Stable Duel Contest, they have those available for you. Matt DeSantis and myself will be uh, on that show this weekend, and we're going to dish out a couple Royal Ascot plays. I'll also have some Santa Anita plays for Friday and for Saturday. It's closing weekend there. We're going to get our entries in and play race win over at Santa Anita. Let's take a look at the entries for Friday. So there are 11 races on Friday and some big fields because Southern California is not going to have a whole lot of racing for a while. And really, California, there's going to be some fairs up in Northern California. Golden Gate just closed. And there won't be turf racing in Southern California until Del Mar after this weekend. It'll just be a few days of racing over at Los Alamitos. So in the second race... Going six furlongs on the dirt. The three, Pequena Tormenta, I thought was a little bit interesting. Um, making the third start back. Training pretty well right now. Give this uh, the one a little bit of a shot. We'll have to improve a bit on Talkative Gal, the one right to her inside. But I think she can sit a bit if the the speeds go. And she can sit right behind them. Three to one on the morning line. Maybe we single her in early exotics. Another short price in the third. Six furlongs on the turf. The number five, red line. 5-2 to two on the morning line. Another horse that maybe you build some exotics around where uh, he may not be favored in this spot, but he really fits well. In the fourth race, I like the two economical. So this is a bottom-level maiden. This is a maiden $20,000 claimer. He's dropping in from Calbred maiden 50s. It's not really a big drop because you're facing open company here. It's sort of sometimes a lateral movement. Sometimes these races are tougher. But his damn one... Produced five foals that were multiple winners. Uh, five foals that had multiple races, and they all won. Three of them won going long. Another was a stakes-placed runner going long. And in his last start, he had a pretty brutal first furlong. He, you know, he got crushed on both sides at the start. He was four deep, kind of close-up pressing. On April the 9th in his debut, he had a really bad start, too. Bumped on both sides, so... He stretches out. He's got some speed. I think they just send hard and try to play catch me if you can. He's 15 to 1 on the morning line. He feels a lot more like a horse that should be 8 to 1 or so. Let's move to race number 7 on Friday. And I'm looking at the 4 in here Carpe Venum. Say mile on the turf. And if you key off some of the recent form, the May 14th race was in a little too far against a little too tough. But the April 17th race, good start, but had the, kind of taken back to fifth inside, was in tight, was three lengths off, was traveling well, ran into some traffic, had to take up on the heels and back up, then angled four deep all the way around, just missed, huge gallop out. It was a you know sick beat. Carpe Venum, 4-1 to one on the morning line, really like this one in race number seven at Santa Anita. The eighth race, the two law-abiding citizens going to be pretty tough in there. But the ninth race, the number six might be worth another try in there for giving speed 
you know, this is a horse who just didn't have the best of starts, but then did get right up into contention and was, you know, right back in the mix to battle. Now cuts back from six and a half to six, and the way his speed and his running style are might be a little bit better. Da- uh, might be a, a little bit better on the straight six than down the hill. So give forgiving speed a little bit of look. The number six in there, Johnny Padres, is going to be pretty tough. Um, you know, with with anything similar to that last effort, but I don't know if Johnny P is. Uh, I don't know if Johnny P is best suited for the six as well. So we'll give forgiving. Spirit, a look. It's Friday over at Santa Anita. We're going to turn the page from Friday to Saturday. We've got a couple different tracks we'll be talking for Saturday. First up, let's get into Monmouth Park with Samantha Perry. She does the broadcast there, some of the on-track handicapping and analysis, and she helps us talk about the final four races for Saturday, three graded stakes races, really nice card out at Monmouth. Let's jump in. It's always great in horse racing how uh, each weekend different tracks will have the opportunity to have some big races and they'll have the spotlight this weekend. It's Monmouth's turn and someone who's going to join us to talk about Monmouth Park is someone who's joined us a a few times before on That's What G Said, Samantha Perry, who does the the analyzing and the paddock work out there. She's on the broadcast over at Monmouth. We've talked to other races with her before, but you've probably seen her out there doing some uh, great coverage. So, Samantha, thanks so much. We get to talk about some really cool races this weekend, a bunch of stakes races and some big stars running at Monmouth. Yeah, it's going to be a a really fun weekend of racing, and they're calling it the Haskell Preview Day. So all of these races are stepping stones uh, into our Haskell Day on July 23rd, which are all graded races. And out of the four races we're talking about, three of them are grade three. So just some solid competitions this weekend. Yeah, and the only one that isn't is a prep for the Haskell. So I know, we'll, we'll, kind of right? ironic a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> it is. So we'll see those horses, um, probably a couple of them end up running in uh, what five, six weeks or so uh, on the big weekend when a lot of these horses will run back. So as uh, we dive into the card for Saturday, we're going to take a look at races 11 through 14, and we're going to take a look at, as Samantha said, three graded stakes races out of four. So a really cool late pick four and a great way to end the card. Uh, how has the meet been going so far for you early on? And, um, you know, tell us a little bit about, you know, what's uh, what's coming up, you know, this weekend with these big stakes and, and just how, how it's been early. It's been going great. Uh, unfortunately, we've caught a little bit of bad weather last weekend. Um, we got washed off the turf on Saturday. Looks like the skies are clear. We're supposed to get more rain tonight. So turf might be a question tomorrow especially considering they might want to save it for Saturday, but we have a super quick drying turf course here at Monmouth Park. So I think we'll be all right. We'll be perfect for Saturday. Tomorrow's a question. Luckily we're dealing with Saturday and for people listening, uh, our pick fives and pick fours at Monmouth Park are just a 14% takeout. So the best, the best like way to play is the pick four and pick fives at Monmouth Park. And I think people forget about that, especially the pick fours. So it's, it's definitely very cool to see. I'm glad they didn't throw in a maiden claiming 30 as race number 15 here. Yeah. Right. We get a really nice way to end the card and, uh, 
let's let's dive on in as we're lucky to have Samantha talking with us. So those who want to follow along, we're looking at June 18th and we're looking at race number 11, which kicks off that low takeout pick four that she was just talking about. And this is a the grade three Eaton town, a mile and 16th on the turf course here. Really nice field that lined up for this one. There's a yeah. mayor named Princess Grace who was excellent over, you know, in 2020 and then into 2021. She's going to be making her 2022 debut. And the horse that she most recently faced came back and really flattered her form over on the Belmont undercard weekend. And you've got a couple of horses who faced each other in the Miss Liberty, which is sort of a prep for this. And, and they're both pretty live in here. Um, yeah. among others, just a, a really solid group. Chad Brown's got a couple towards the outside. That would be no shock. Alms, so many classy fillies and mares in this spot. Yeah, and I'm actually glad we get to talk about it because I almost didn't know what to do in this race. I, yes. I would assume that Princess Grace is going to be the favorite here. That or Fluffy Socks, which I like both of these horses a lot. But the horses coming out of the Miss Liberty Stakes, like you mentioned, I don't think we should be sleeping on those either. No. This Kelly Green horse, this whimsical muse. I mean, six years old, and she just lit up the tote board last out. And actually, you know, I had gotten a tip on this horse. So my very good friend is working for Kelly Breen here. She's uh, his assistant. And I don't, you know the bug boy, Jose Gomez, who's uh, really shaken up. Yeah. Kelly Breen so he's kind of his first call rider right now Kelly Breen wanted Jose to come ride this horse uh, Miss Liberty that day I mean uh, Whimsical Muse in the Miss Liberty and Jose couldn't do it but my friend she was like if Kelly wants Jose on this horse she must be good and I was like okay and I didn't say it on air because I just didn't really want to disclose that information and now the race is already over so it doesn't bother me too much but they knew something was going yeah. on with this I wish I would have uh, played her and listened to the tip <laughs> 25 to one. She was very impressive. And then you had vigilante's way right behind her and she sort of had some trouble, right? I think she kind of got yep. stuck on the inside and she was looking for room and she tried to move through and you could tell it even late. She was kind of all over the place because I think that trip impacted her. She was just kind of looking, she, she was, she was really full of run, but she yeah. wouldn't be a shock either. This is a good group. It really is. And like you said about Vigilante's way, Shung McGay, he has done uh, an incredible job with her. She's five years old. She's won six races already. She looked like a million bucks in the paddock, Gino. She was a favorite I was against. Uh, I, I wasn't, I didn't know Whimsical Muse was going to win, but I did know that Vigilante's way, um, I thought that she would lose. Not bad i mean i just thought she would run second or third but she won this race last year so she's got a very good chance to win it again this year but again yeah. draws the rail which i feel is a little bit of a drawback yeah because you wonder because it it seems like she might have to get the same type of trip that she yes. got last time when she was sort of down inside and shuffled because i don't think she's as fast as a couple of the others and no. she'll probably have to sit third or fourth kind of mid-pack and then you sort of kind of keep your fingers crossed and just hope, hope you get the opening or hope you get some room somewhere uh, along the way. Paco's yeah. back aboard vigilante's way. And uh, yeah, like you said, she, this feels like the race where last time was probably the, the time to play against her. Like you did. And this yes. time you might she, be the player. Yeah. She might be ready to take that second off the bench. Nice step forward here as uh yeah, she won last year's race at 
around seven to two vigilante's way there. Anyone else that you want to mention in this group before we move on? I mean, we, we kind of briefly mentioned Lamista and uh, she's worth uh, another. She was in the, uh, the bogey on May the 14th over at Belmont park. And that was her first start of the year. And we think of Chad Brown as one that can just get him ready to do anything, which he can, but, Generally, horses are going to improve with the race or two under their belt off of a long layoff like that. So it wouldn't be surprising to see her run a little bit better. And John Velasquez is going to be aboard. Yeah, and that plays out well for her. I think out of the the two Chad Brown trainees that he's got the seven and the eight, I leaned more towards the eight only because the seven uh, Lamista, she hasn't won in the United States yet, which that mm-hmm. kind of worries me. How good is she here? Obviously, Chad Brown does an incredible job at getting him ready here. And it's not like she ran a bad race last time, but she was very far off the lead and a very slow pace. Um, and I just, I don't know. I'd lean towards Fluffy Socks more just because of that, her coming out of that race, the modesty, which she looked like she was going to win at the top of the lane. And then Bleecker Street, who's just an absolute freak of a turf filly, just came right through and got her. And we saw Bleecker Street go on and win last weekend in the grade one New York. And uh, Bleecker Street is now seven for seven and undefeated. Yeah, just unbeatable so far. So, And, you know, she broke her main at Monmouth Park first out. Yeah. At the Meadowlands. So, you know, I had heard an interview, the post-race interview um, with Irad whenever uh, he won on Bleecker Street. And Hector Diaz Jr. is actually his cousin, which he was the one who was riding Bleecker Street at the beginning. And Maggie Wolfendale was on the podium. She was like, this horse is running at the Meadowlands. Well, this is a great place here at Monmouth and the Meadowlands to get these turf horses legged up because the turf course is so nice here. So mm-hmm. I don't think that, that should be seen as a bad thing at all. Like, oh, why aren't you running this horse in Saratoga? Well, yeah, everybody wants to run at Saratoga, but why not run where you can win and get their confidence up like she did and look at what she's turning to be now. Yeah, Bleecker Street is uh, one of the better fillies in training right now. And uh, her form will uh, will play a part in race number 11, kicking off that late pick four for you on Saturday at Monmouth. Let's move along to the Pegasus, which is uh, race number 12. It's the TVG.com Pegasus, $150,000 stakes race for three-year-olds. And this will be like a prep race for the Haskell. You'll probably see the top two or three finishers here, or a couple out of this race, come back and, uh, and run in there. And they'll go a mile and a 16th here. So these are some familiar names. And then you, you have a horse sort of like Electability, who was third in the Peter Pan but he has a couple big wins. He wasn't a horse that we saw in a lot of the earlier big stakes races, but he's more of a, a later developing three-year-old. So who are some of the horses that you're looking at and uh, how are you looking at the Pegasus? And it's hard to look at this race when I know in the back of my mind that if it's all systems go for Jack Christopher, he's going to be running in the Haskell. I know, so right? You're I playing them. At- There's oh. no shot. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, like fortunately, this is this race on its own, and I'm trying not to think about that fact. But Jack Christopher is an absolute freak of a horse, and uh, there's just I don't foresee um, him getting beat if he goes to the Haskell. But I do like electability a lot. I think he is the likeliest winner of this race. Will you get a price though? No. And it's easy to look at his last effort when he lost by. 10 to we the people in a race where we the people won by 10 and you can make a 
you don't even really need to make an excuse. It wasn't if he ran core based on speed figures, but you can say maybe he didn't step forward or maybe he just didn't like the off track as much as we, the people did who got the lead really took to it like a duck to water. And then, was able to kick clear. That's what it tends to happen a little bit more in those off track races. It's like one or two of the horses really seems to like it. And then everybody yep. else either doesn't or is sort of okay with it. And and mm-hmm. the one that does just draws off. Exactly. And and there's just no beating we the people and golden glider trained by Mark Cassie, who beat this horse for second place. It was just kind of like a nose bob for a second. And Golden Glider isn't much at all of a horse, but I think Chad Brown is just so good at taking these horses like to the next step. And this is, uh, I believe, an easier field than the Peter Pan. And you talk about horses, Gina, that you said, you know, run really big races um, on an offgoing track. Like, what do you do with Dash Attack here? His three wins, his only three wins have been in a sloppy track or a muddy track. Well, what does he do? Fast track. Do you scratch out those races where he was running in really tough competition, or does this horse only like a, a a bad track? Yeah, he's tough to like at a short price, right? Yes. Y- y- you don't want to take too short on him if he's maybe he's you know seven to two on the morning line. If he was like five to one ish and around that range or so, I I'd be a little more warm to him. Like you said, it's just it's tough not to look past that and see that he's run six times. The three mm-hmm. races that are by far his best are by far the, uh, the, you know, the three races on a wet track. And, and, you know, if you would try to counter that and say, okay, well, were the other races like way, way tougher. Look at the, look at the horses he ran against. He yeah. beat Barber road in the smarty Jones and then came back and was well defeated again by Barber road in the next two. So it wasn't necessarily that he, you know, was facing just a different class or caliber of horses. It really does feel like he's just so much more of an off track type horse. Yeah, he really is. And especially the way he's built too. He's just kind of like a lighter Munnings Colt, um, which you look at Jack Christopher and he's by Munnings as well, who he's built like a tank. Um, so you can just see that they're just both physically a lot different and it just kind of suits, uh, the off track going, those just kind of like lighter on their feet type of horses as well. And then you've got homebrew in here from yep. Brad Cox, which is always dangerous, but I honestly don't think he's much like, I think Brad Cox is putting him in here because it's, uh, it makes sense. Yeah, But uh, out of the three-year-olds that Brad Cox has, this is not one who's some world beater here. Yeah, he's not done a whole lot wrong, but you're right. He's low on speed figures and numbers. He just hasn't really been a monster. Mm-hmm. You can kind of make some excuses for him. You know, he won his first time out, and then he's been uh, – he was runner-up following that. You can toss his race in the slop versus dos- uh, Dash Attack. Maybe he just didn't like it, and Dash Attack really does. And his race last time out, he won going longer. He continues to step forward. It's it's a good spot for him, but again, he's a little shorter then he's probably going to be just a shorter price than I would want on exactly. him. And that's yep. from, from like a betting standpoint, that's what's hard. Cause he's probably going to be the second choice. And you know, if he's like five to two or so for really strong connections, I don't know if I, I love him from a gambling standpoint. So yeah, from a, a betting standpoint, this race, you know, electability is going to be tough. Home brew wouldn't, wouldn't shock. Like, I don't really have any knocks on Mr. Jefferson. I just don't know if he's going to get the shape that he needs. You know, he has some, yeah. Some pretty good races and his his third against Ethereal Road was fine. Is there, you know, anyone else in here who you who you would like to mention or worth taking a look at? 
You know, I looked at the, um, the watch the Sir Barton from Mr. Jefferson and that effort was almost like he just kind of climbs the dirt, which I yeah. don't really like. I'd almost like to see him on the turf, which is where they had him earlier in his mm-hmm. career. So they must have thought something about him. Yeah, uh, right. So I just and like you said, I think that like the trip is going to be a big thing for him. I don't know how it'll set up and how good's ethereal rogue, you know, like, yeah. yeah, he won that race, but how good is he? You know, we don't really know. I think the only one that I would worry that I could think like, oh gosh, this horse might upset is King of Hollywood. I, he didn't really beat much in that mammoth allowance race and he was way far back, but he just came out of the clouds, took so much dirt to dead heat. And, um, I, I think he had had, I had heard he'd had a throw operation. Um, and obviously that showed, I mean, he just came yeah. and, you know, ran a, a big race, but also it, how many, it took him what eight tries to break his maiden. So you don't really know about this, but electability, honestly, this is probably a race that I'll just go ahead and single because yeah. I, I would rather spread in race number 11 and just take a single here and hope for the best. That's the Pegasus. We'll see who can move forward and show up in the Haskell next month. Let's move forward to race number 13. That's going to be the grade three Monmouth, a mile and an eighth on the turf course here. This is a, a another really fun race. You have a horse like Tax who's been around and in some big races. He's going to be trying the turf for the first time. You've got Public Sector who is a multiple graded stakes winner, and he's obviously going to take some support for Chad Brown who has a couple in here like Sacred Life. And, um, then even horses like hidden stash, who was in some of the three-year-old races on the Kentucky Derby trail ran in the Derby last year and has flipped to the turf. So some familiar names, some horses that we've seen in graded stakes races for the last few years and a little bit better of a betting race just on paper. Even if this race does play a little more formful, the horses that aren't, aren't going to be as overwhelming of short prices as we, uh, we probably saw in the Pegasus. Exactly. And then, so whenever I handicapped this race, I didn't handicap it thinking that public sector would run in this spot. He's entered on Saturday in the poker at Belmont Stakes. Um, Now, I don't know. I haven't heard which one he's going to run in. The poker is uh, a $250,000 race at Belmont, and he's the second choice behind uh, Chad Brown's other entry who's the favorite in the race now you're thinking as an owner i mean i feel like as an owner you would want to run in the race with a bigger person less mm-hmm. horses but if he does run in this race then i think he's kind of a a close winner so i i kind of shaped the race out without him in it thinking that maybe he won't so run in it um but you mentioned hidden stash and that's a horse that i really like coming from the Victoria Oliver barn and uh, this BB and racing came and ran uh, one of their horses, Kentucky ghost here and ran an incredible race in the cliffhanger. And I don't know what they knew about this horse because looking at that horse's PPs, he ran a terrible race. Um, I think it was in whatever uh, that Churchill um, sprint was. I think it was on Derby day undercard, maybe. Um, and he just ran horrible and then just came and flew. Now they said, they told me on that day that they liked this horse that was going to be coming. 
So I think that at 15 to one, I will absolutely play this horse. Now, just uh, for everyone that's listening, we are recording on Thursday night. So if you're listening later in the week or before this happens and you may know what we don't know, but as of right now, um, the, the information that I could find out said that a, a trainer, George Weaver of ever dangerous had said that they're, they're going to start their horse and they might pick up John Velasquez, who was named on public sector. So that's why they didn't have a rider named because they were just waiting and kind of thinking they were going to scratch and then he would jump over there. So that's, that, that could make sense. So yeah, that um, would, that would completely make sense. So, and I mean, I think that that's probably a, a better spot for public sector because he, in this race, he's got sacred life, trying to run a sacred life. And uh, that horse looks like it, it could be a winner here. Yeah, very live in, in this spot. Sacred Life makes a ton of sense. He comes off of a, a runner-up effort in the in the grade two Fort Marcy over at Belmont on May the 7th. And yeah, and then the the one horse who I think is sort of interesting and worth mentioning has been in pretty nice form as of late is TD Dance, who's going to add the blinkers. You know, he's going to leave the Brad Cox barn. He's going to come into the Jason Barkley barn. He was in a little bit of some traffic. He was in between horses. He was mid-pack. And while he's not coming out of some of the graded stakes that some others are, he's actually a pretty good fit. If you're just playing off of like speed figures and looking at how he's progressing and, you know, with the blinkers on, they could get him a little bit more focused, maybe just a little bit closer in here. I thought he was a horse that was uh, at least worth uh, mentioning and, and he's been in nice form and he stepped up. That was a good race at Keeneland behind Camp Hope and Beacon Hill. It was a strong race. Those are like stakes quality horses there. So, um, he was a, a horse worth mentioning. Uh, yeah, and, dance. Just, and just barely missed. And this sire, Can the Man, his sire, has really proven to be a really nice turf uh, sire. Like, I, I like watching his babies on the turf. My biggest knock with TD Dance, if I was just trying to poke holes in him, was please crazy, do, yeah. which um, always, yep. yep you, you're not going to move up off of Brad Cox, obviously, exactly. right? So if there's a reason that they just feel like the horse comes out here and it's a better spot for someone like Jason Barkley, or that's fine. But I know it's always it's always tough, and in any situations when you just go off of one of those top barns on a trainer switch or first off the claim, it's hard to feel like the horses are going to be upgraded. So I definitely always need prices on those horses. I I don't ever want to take really short prices on horses like that. That's a good, that's a very good point. Yeah. And then what do you do with tax here? Like (laughs) never has ran on the turf before. Um, I feel like they're just kind of throwing darts at the dartboard. Now he's six years old and he's still got it. Uh, maybe they're trying to get him over that a million dollar mark, which uh, what is this is 150,000. They might, they would, quite possibly do it with this race uh but uh, they did have one work on xbtv of him working on the turf course at palm meadows and just doesn't have that quickening speed that like you see those nice turf horses do yeah, now the turn of foot exactly he's been more of a grinder always yes, right yeah exactly so maybe if this was two miles on the turf like the united nations that we're gonna see on haskell day that's you know a bit and further. maybe that'll be a prep for him yeah maybe we yep. keep an eye and if he's kind of grinding into third or fourth and starting to pick up some some pieces late because not only is it the first time on the turf it's the layoff too right we haven't seen him since january of 2021 so it's, it's a long time yeah it's kind of like a fun dart throw for them to just say, yeah. like you said, hey, he's older now. Let's take a swing. It's probably going to be the turf is probably going to be easier on him now as an older horse who's been through exactly. some battles. 
And if he likes it, then we know he should be okay going longer. And Uh then maybe maybe we run him in the the United Nations in, you know, in six weeks or five weeks when that race comes up. So he's going to be interesting now as far as like using him horizontally. Will I use him? Eh, I don't. Probably not. Yeah, I agree. I'm probably cold on him too, I think, in this spot at least. If he runs well, I'll I'll keep an eye on him next time out. But he'd have to be really giant off that layoff. The thing is, is at least he won't be – I don't think he'll be a short price. If he gets bet off of his morning line because people know the name a little bit and they've seen him in some big races, then I really wouldn't want to play him. But if he is like 10 to 1 or so in that range, I wouldn't go bet him to win. But I could understand – like at least being okay with using him in spots yeah exactly using him underneath or something Mm -hmm. or try you know keying one horse and putting him under it then that one makes sense uh but yeah everybody knows tax i mean just what a cool horse and um you know it'll be cool to see him see him here but just not enough to play him no not in this spot let's get to the 14th and final on saturday it's the grade three salvatore mile we have hot rod charlie who will be making his first start since the runner-up effort in the Dubai World Cup. He actually went over to Maidon to have a prep race there, which worked out well for him. He won that grade two prep or the group two prep. And then he came back and he, you know, in the Dubai World Cup, he did not seem like he was really liking that track. He seemed early like he was sort of struggling. And I think it just shows his class that he, when a lot of horses backed up, he just kept trying really hard and was yeah. able to pass horses and Pratt did a good job getting like to work on him throughout. And you know, this is a starting point for him. He's a mm-hmm. horse who I'm sure they would like to see in the breeders cup at the end of the year and, you know, run in a, in a few big races along the way. So can't expect that he's going to be 100% completely at the top of his game. And they, they probably ran in this race instead of running you know, in the Met Mile last week, because that might have been a little bit too hard trying to chase a horse like Flightline around or something oh, like that. So yeah. this is right a lot better spot to come. We know he likes this track. He ran well here in the Haskell. That was a an interesting uh, race, right? With yeah. a lot going on, but he likes the track. We know that he's run well over it. Exactly, and what I mean, you got to hand it to the connections here. You know, with bringing him for this race, you know, they just were like, you know what. He's just coming from being in Dubai for a while. Like, let's just get him somewhere where he looks like he could win. Now, on paper, you'd look at him and go, yeah, there's no question. But I think, you know, it's maybe it's the one mile, like just that flat mile for me that I have a little bit of some questions. Yeah, he's because he's another one who he's not slow by any means. He's always forwardly placed and everything, but it seems like it's nicer for him when they're going a little longer and he can kind of get like at a more comfortable contra- cruising speed yes. sitting sort of just off. And it- it'll be very interesting to see what the type of pace shape in this race is with, you know, with a horse like mind control down on the inside, who's really been a sprinter for a lot of his career. And he, and he draws the rail. I'd imagine I mean, do you think they're going to try to get in front of Hot Rod Charlie, or how do you see this playing out? And uh, how might you uh, you play this in? You know, if you're playing the late pick four, yeah, this is a tough one for me because Mind Control, um, he's a wild card, yeah. and 
He's six years old. He's made over a million dollars. I like the mile for him. The last time he ran just that flat mile, he won. Mm -hmm. And Johnny Velasquez did win aboard him. And look who he was running against, you know, in his last two races. Jackie's Warrior, Reinvestment Risk, Speaker's Corner. I mean, some of, like, the toughest horses in this division right now catching. He doesn't get that here. So... You know, and Todd Pletcher does a good job with him here at Monmouth Park, and he he runs to win. And I think that this is a very strategic entry here. Now, you would think that Johnny's going to send him from the rail. I mean, at least to take up a good position. As far as speed goes in the race, like, him and Hot Rod could be the only ones. Like, who else is going to go with them? Confessor, the six. I I just don't see who else is going to go with them. No. And that's what is going to make it like a real interesting riders race because Mike Smith will, Mike Smith will put the best horses on the lead sometimes and and put horses that should be, but he's not like an overly aggressive rider. No, not at all. No. So if he's patient, you know? Yeah. So if, if, if somebody or mind control and Johnny V like want to take the initiative, I'm sure he'll be happy to let them and sit (laughs) and sit off of them. And if, if someone were able to do that, they would, they make a little bit of sense. The, the horse who we have to mention, which is sort of strange to me is, and I've seen some people talking about it on social media too. You have Cheryl Spate who mm-hmm. got really good on the turf has won three of won three races in a row, three of her last or three of his last four. One of them was a grade one. Two of them were graded stakes races was only was less than seven to two in the grade one turf classic on Kentucky Derby undercard lost to Santin was in there with some really nice horses and they're running this one on the dirt. This sort of seems like a really interesting, but kind of strange spot. I agree. And I, you know, it's funny. Cheryl Spate. I think every time that I'm on the show, like this horse is about to run. Right. Yep. <laughs> yep. Cause I think in Tampa, we talked about, her, we did. Her, yeah, him. you're right. And I don't know why I always want to call this her horse. I, I do her. too. They do all the Cheryl's, runner they name them all Sheryls and I do the same thing every time I think it's because of the name Sheryl you know yeah but I just okay so you see Spatestown and you would think okay dirt there but he's just been so good on the turf and yeah watching the turf classic back uh you know that was a weird race where I felt like nobody really ran their race I'm not going to take anything away from Santa no you're right I love that horse. That's my old uh, boss's horse, Brandon Walsh, and that's a nice horse. But Adamo ran an incredible race on Belmont Day. Um, So, I mean, that flatters this horse, but I just – and Roger Atfield, he's a smart guy. Do they know something we don't? I I don't know. (laughs) I'm I'm confused about that one. I have no idea what to do with that horse. Yeah, and maybe we'll uh, we'll see why, but it just seems like – in the turf division, this horse would be a very, very logical player in most races, you know? Um, yeah. So yeah, Cheryl but Spate will, will, why will keep it. Why did they go in the, the moment? Yeah, absolutely. I, that's what I can't figure out. Did they get the wrong race in the book? Maybe and you, it's, it's just really, you know, it's really interesting. Cause you, it, the, the horse two starts back in the makers, in the makers, Mark mile beat, Mason, who comes back and wins at Belmont Park by five next time out and yep, is going to be a ma- 
and the favorite in the poker this weekend. Yeah. And so you beat the horse who would have been the heavy favorite. You beat count again, who comes out of that race and wins the shoemaker, the grade one at Santa Anita. So if you wanted to go onto the West coast, you'd be favored in any of those races because you beat the horse that was towards the top there. You beat set piece who went over and won the dinner party. Yeah. And all it, yeah, so you won a really strong race that has come back live, and you've seen all of those horses go in different places and win. It, it's very intriguing that uh, that Cheryl Spate shows up here at like six to one, but it would be like seven to two or under anywhere else. Anywhere, um, yep, it, yeah, it's a head scratcher. I don't, I, I would love to talk to Roger Atfield if he's yeah. there on Saturday and just get his thoughts because I just. I don't know. I mean, maybe they know something we don't. And maybe there's a plan or, you know, they have yeah. something pl- mapped out. One more horse that uh, I just want to mention because people know uh, know him from the Kentucky Derby last year also. That's Helium, who yes. comes off of a couple runner-up efforts at Woodbine, was on the synthetic up there, gets a slight turn back. His figures have gone down a little bit. They're low, sometimes on synthetic overall the the figures are just a little bit lower than they are on dirt you won't get as some of those like fast fast times where the the numbers might the the figures might be a little more gaudy and Uh the horse he lost to skywire is not bad he's a multiple graded stakes winner he's you know at least a horse that has a, a bit of class i if if you were looking at this race and kind of removing hot rod charlie and mind control from it we were kind of having some concerns with cheryl spate you know, the, the rest of the field, it's kind of him and, and Fat Man who sort of feel like the next tier of horses. Yeah. And Helium, like, anytime I see horses coming from Woodbine, I don't know what it is there, but at, at any other track they run at, they run huge coming from Woodbine. And um, I just, Mark Cassie has a way with them. But I guess the only thing about this horse that made me do a second look is um, Emma Wilson was riding this horse the last two outs. And she lands on Cheryl's spite and not helium. Yeah, that is so funny. Yeah. That's I, I don't I don't know if that was a if it was a trainer decision, that makes sense. If it was her decision and her agent said, Hey, these two are going in the same race, which one do you want to ride? On paper, helium seems like that would be the horse that you'd have the best shot to win, not Cheryl's spite. I think spate, in this so. race, especially on the dirt, right? So yeah, that's that's definitely worth mentioning. Yeah. Helium. It doesn't who, uh, make much sense here and like you said fat man what a cool horse he is fat i don't know if you've ever seen him in person (laughs) no (laughs) that's great in the best way though like he just doesn't miss a meal they said he's just like an absolute pony in the barn like he's gonna live a really nice long life in somebody's backyard for sure and and paco you know we talk about how is this race gonna shape up paco's aggressive with them but this is a horse that it's like you would have to have your whip uncocked and hitting him from the starting gate. To get going early. Get- <laughs> so no matter how aggressive Paco is from the gate, this is a horse that he automatically just puts himself like tracking leaders. So awesome. So uh, that is race number 14. That's going to finish up the Saturday card over at Monmouth Park. We've been very lucky to catch up with our friend Samantha Perry, who's uh, talked some racing with us a few times. So Samantha, the big weekend's coming up now. If uh, if we can mark it on your calendar, let's plan for again, uh, linking up a few days before Haskell weekend. So we can Perfect. preview all these horses that come back and run again in uh, in five weeks. And we'll talk the big weekend. We'll preview everything and we will all be watching you 
and uh, and seeing your great work coming up this weekend on the big day. Oh, well, thank you. And I can't wait to uh, hopefully have picked some winners when we're back here for Haskell. Now, where can we give you a follow uh, on social media for anyone who wants to uh, check out some more of your work? Yeah, so on Twitter, I post my picks uh, for race day at Monmouth Park and just thoughts throughout the day. That's at Samantha G. Perry. And uh, I do some work for America's Best Racing as well, usually like a play of the day. So check me out there. And uh, hopefully we've uh, guided you to some winners today. Thank you so much, Samantha. It's always a blast catching up with you. And I, uh, you've been doing such a great job out at Monmouth. You always are someone who uh, steers me in the right direction. And uh, hopefully, like you said, hopefully we can pass it on to a few others this weekend. So good luck to you. And uh, we'll, we'll catch up again soon. Sounds great. Thank you. Make sure to give her a follow there on social media. And don't go anywhere, folks. We have a lot more racing to talk about on this episode. Great catching up with Samantha Perry. Appreciate her helping us out talking some Monmouth as a, a little bit of a bonus. We actually gonna, are going to take the audio from the interview that we recorded with Cindy Carava. If you're someone who follows me on social media and you are interested in taking a look at this uh, video, we actually take a look at some charts. We talk all about the housing market and we really get into some important information for anyone that's uh, interested in buying, selling, renting. This impacts all of you. Take a listen as we have an interview next with Cindy Carava. Following that, we're going to jump into Saturday racing from Santa Anita. We'll hit Saturday racing for Louisiana Downs, and we'll finish things up with uh, this week in wrestling with Chad Cooper. One of the longtime sponsors of That's What G Said podcast from the very beginning, um, and a good friend of mine, Cindy Carava. We always have to check in with her every now and then to see how things are going in the world of real estate. And over the last couple of years, Cindy, since we've started to working together, my how things have changed. There's been a pandemic. Um, people yes. were not going anywhere. Now people are back out. Everyone's looking for homes. And you've got a lot of really important information that, is is pivotal to everyone. I think everybody has a home. Everyone's looking to buy, to rent. And some of the things that you're going to tell us, it's like a trickle-down effect and it really impacts everyone. So I, I was uh, thinking that it was a great time for us to kind of check in again and uh, and talk about everything that's going on in the world of real estate and with the markets. Yes, absolutely. Thank you, Gino. Again, thanks for letting me uh, be on the podcast today. And yeah, I you know what? Um, I just really felt like it was important to kind of get the words out there. What What is going on? Um, I actually had the privilege of going to a real estate conference a couple of weeks ago and, uh, you know, kind of hearing, you know, what the experts are predicting. You know, obviously nobody has a crystal ball, but, you know, what, you know, really what the experts are saying, what they're forecasting, you know, what is going to be happening? What is happening right now in the market? And I do get, you know, answer, you know, that question all the time, you know, Cindy, you know, how is the market, you know, are we headed for a crash? Are we in a housing bubble right now? So I really just kind of wanted to take this time because I really thought this would apply to everybody, whether you're a homeowner or you're thinking about buying or selling, you know, it's just kind of like a general overview of really, you know, how's the market right now? You know what I mean? And, you know, obviously the first two things that come to mind that I really want to go over you know, is interest rates, you know, and inventory and home prices or home values. So let's go ahead and dive in and okay. let's talk about interest rates. So um, actually some of these slides, uh, Gino, that you're going to be showing is some of the ones that were actually at my conference. Uh, actually, most of them all, all were. And so like I said, want to pull up the first slide. So yep. actually, you know, um, home 
uh, interest rates were kind of around, you know, the 5%. So go ahead and you can hit that first slide. Okay. And yeah, and we it got shows, yeah, like this was dated back um, around the end of May that it looks like mortgage rates or interest rates at that time were about, you know, 5.25. You can see the gradual, you know, it major increase, you know, it started back in, you know, December, we were looking at, you know, in the threes, you know, and as the months have gone on by and the weeks have gone on by, you know, this is where it was on, you know, on May 19th, we were looking at a, you know, a 30 year fixed, obviously has to depend on your FICO score, your credit scores and, you know, how much you're putting down too. But, you know, we went from, you know, like I said, December, you know, November, December, looking at around the threes and now we are up in the end of the fives. Uh, so that quickly. was one of the- yeah, quickly. That quickly, yeah. One of the hugest uh, increases in, in interest rates in a, in a very long time, yeah. That's, yeah, that that's movement. And, and we follow that up with a, a look at how it's, so, so what's the trend going to be like moving forward from that? Well, as you can see in the next slide, um, I actually in a couple of weeks later, um, it um, the new rate, um, you know, it, like look at what it was, you know, on May 19th, we were looking at a 5.25. It went down like the week later and then it went down again as of June 2nd, you know, so we were, you know, on June 2nd, we were at, you know, 5.09. Uh, today, the feds came out with a with a little increase uh, about three quarters of a percentage, you know, so we're looking more now, you know, around the five and a half to, you know, to 6%, you know, again, depending on your, your credit scores, you know, and your, uh, you know, how much you're putting down, right? Whether you're putting down, you know, 20% or, or less is going to definitely make, make a uh, change uh, in what your interest rates are. So, you know, um, that's kind of what's going on right now. And I actually, like I said, glad to have that information today that like yeah. I said, the feds just released today that we did go up about three quarters of a point uh, today. So now we have uh, what, what's really good about getting to go to conferences and getting information like the information that you, you received is you get to hear from people on all sorts of different sides, right? So it, nobody, yes. you're not really hearing from like, some one group of people pushing one agenda, right? You're getting all the different sides. So you get to really hear what's going on all over the place. And we've got some good quotes too throughout uh, a few of these slides that we want to show just from experts and different people kind of projecting or predicting or just advising some things to do moving forward. Right. As you can see, this one's from Freddie Mac. I think the, one of the, some of the other ones are from realtor.com. So yeah, very, very relevant, you know, uh, graphs for sure. Now, uh, what uh, what do we have next that we want uh, folks to take a look at about the mortgage rates uh, continuing to move higher? Right? Was this uh, the quote from uh, from Len Kiefer, I believe? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Okay, so let's pull up that quote, and uh, and yeah, this is great because I was talking to you about this the other day. We are literally in the process of doing all of this right now. My family, I think, a lot of people who are, you know that are listeners to this show that are probably in my age range or so that are having new families that are, you know, trying to figure out, are we going to go buy right now? Are we going to continue to rent? What do we need to do? This is the information that I think people need to hear because it helps you make uh, make really important make decisions. An informed decision. Absolutely. And as you can see from the slide, you know, mortgage rates are likely to continue to move higher throughout the balance of this year. You know, um, although at a pace, you know, rate increases is likely to moderate. We're going to kind of see maybe like, a you know, a little stabilization, you know, 
much of the increase in rates is in early 2022 is in anticipation of what was going to happen later this year, especially with the Federal Reserve interest rate policy. Like I said, we did see it today. It did go up about three quarters of a percent. You know, but like I said, it's just kind of letting people know what is going to what they're forecasting, what they're seeing is, yes, we are going to continue to see interest rates, you know, increase a little bit. It's not going to be as drastic as it was from December to now, which it went up tremendously. We're going to see it at a much slower pace. And the next thing I think we were going to look at was just comparing what it's been like through the years, right? Because we sometimes can get in the bubble of like, oh, look at what it is like right now. But when we look at what it's been like through the decades and through the years, we're still not really in the bad spot. No, exactly. Gina, we talked about this. You know, look at this is a graph over the last 50 years. You know, you've got, you know, 8.86 in the 70s. You've got in the 80s, it was 12.7. In the 90s, it was 8.12. I can tell you that when my husband and I bought our first house, it was 7.5% in the 90s. You know, now, you know, we started coming down, you know, um, and so even though we're maybe pushing that 6%, we're still better off where we are now than we were back in the 1980s. And I think, like I said, we just got a little spoiled. You know, we, mm-hmm. we like I said, we did have rates, interest rates around 3%, you know, at the beginning of the year. And obviously things are a little different now. But still, if you look at, you know, over history, over the last 50 years, you know, we're still within a lower range than we have been, which is which is good news. And it's still a great time to buy. Um, the other thing I want to talk about, too, is not only, you know, maybe, you know, interest rates for for a conventional loan are not your thing. And, you know, maybe, you know, what they call an adjusted rate mortgage is, is a little better, you know, um, and obviously, you know, talking to a lender about that, what is what is a better, you know, loan for you? Is it a conventional no- loan like we're talking about here or is it one of those adjustable rate mortgages? You know, um, and if, again, like I like to say, if you don't have a lender that you are currently working with, I have two phenomenal lenders that I work with, Lisa with Home Street Bank and Jana with uh, Prime Lending. So they are both uh, great uh, people to use and and ask for questions. Uh, and that's a great ask for answers. Point. So and we're you know we're talking about obviously move like the the process of everything buying a home and and if you need anything in the world of real estate, just like Cindy was saying, if you just need some help being connected with the lenders or maybe on a smaller scale, you're looking to improve your home, right? You you like the home you have right now. You like your spot, but you know what? Maybe you need help. You gardeners, painters, landscapers, some folks that maybe you don't really have connections with. Those are all things that, that you're able to help with. I mean, you, you can go through a checklist of like anything that you need. If you contact Cindy, she'll be able to, yep. to point you in the right direction. Absolutely. You actually just had a uh, phone call yesterday from a past client. We uh, closed escrow on her house uh, about three months ago, and she is looking to do some electric electrical work on the house. Uh, she wants to add some outdoor lighting. And so obviously I had an electrician for her. So yes, okay. I can do just about pretty much anything for you. And the good thing is that these are people all, all I've used in my own home and, and trust them and, and know their work is very good. Yep. And so it's going to save you having to look around. It's going to save you time. It's going to make your life a lot easier as uh, we continue on here talking about some of the very important things that Cindy found out uh, over the last couple of weeks and uh, the way that the market is going to move. So uh, I believe next we have the, uh, is it the Shivani Peterson mortgage expert quote? Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's uh, coming up right here. 
Yeah, basically just letting you know, you know, if you're looking to buy a home, I would still recommend and I definitely do that you do so even at the higher interest rates that we're seeing, because we have no reason to believe that home prices are going to stop appreciating. Home values are going up is only a problem when you're trying to buy. But when you already own it, it's actually a gift and it's instant equity into your pocket. So I would rather see my clients put money in their pocket instead of a landlord's pocket. Yeah, we that's one thing we've been talking a little bit about too, just trying to, it's because it's hard and it's, people don't like talking about it, but what ends up happening is when you don't have as much money, it's harder to plan ahead, right? When you're living, when you're not, when you're not able to comfortably put away this money or say, okay, right now we have the money to go buy a house. It's harder. You know, you know that I only have this much, so we have to use this for the rent and this and that, but you end up looking back and, and you know what? Right. Like how many times for when you're living uh, paycheck to paycheck, you pay something a little bit late and then you got to pay a fee. And then you look back afterwards and you go, how much money did I just if I would have been able to. Ju-? And it, sometimes it's not your fault. It's there's nothing you can do about it. But if you can do anything to get yourself ahead a little bit and understand yeah. that this money is going to be putting, you know, putting you and your family in a home and you're investing in yourself moving forward. Right. No, exactly. And and I talk about that all the time. Actually, you and I had that conversation, you know, even, you know, um, you know, we all have our dreams of, you know, wanting to buy our dream home, you know, but, you know, realistically in California, that's tough. So, you know, I'm trying to encourage my buyers, even if it's a small home, even if it's a condo, get yourself into something sit there for two or three years while your home value and equity goes up and then take that equity out of that house and then move on to the next home that, you know, maybe is a better fit for your family, but at least do something, you know, put money in your pocket, not a landlord's pocket. So for uh, all of us out there, now we have a home prices, right? The forecasting. Exactly. uh, That's one of the second things that, you know, I wanted to dive into is what we all talk about is what, you know, where home prices going and what's the inventory like and good news. You know, I can tell you, you know, values are still rising. You know, we are, Definitely looking at, you know, a slower pace than we were last year. Um, Typically, as you can see from the graph here, um, uh, last year, most home prices went up or values went up about 20%. This year, the experts are, you know, predicting that home prices are going to go up around 9% across the board. Um, You know, and we're going to continue, you know, to kind of be on the more what they call normal trend over the next, you know, four years. Um, and, uh, that's, that's pretty good news, you know, that we're still going to keep increasing just much at a slower pace than we were this last year. And so actually, I think the next slide is really, is really cool to be able to show that as well. It's because you do the, the percentages in your head, right? We all know that, oh yeah, things are just going to go up each year, little by little, but when you see the numbers and how, how much it is projected just over the next few, so Let's uh, pull well, this and like one I said, up. and keep that in mind, Gino, that that nine percent that they're talking about this year is on top of what already happened last year. You know, and, uh, and yeah, you know, here here's it is a right great there. example. We talked about this earlier. You know, if you purchase something right now in 2022, look where you're going to be in five years. So it begs, you know, to you know ask that question. You know, you know, should I buy sooner than later? Well, heck yeah. You know, almost a hundred thousand equity or you know home value increase in five years is actually a really really good return on your investment. So again, like we talked about, you know, even if it's not your your dream home right now, and it's a condo or it's a small house, 
it's perfectly great to go ahead and at least, you know, get into something now and let your money grow for you. Get, yeah. Um, th- those are like eye popping numbers. They really are. Right. Um, oh, to exactly. See, exactly. I and mean, that's huge. Yeah. Thousand in, in just, yeah. uh, you know, 2027. And yeah. we are and, you know, very, you and I both know how quickly time goes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you have your little ones out there, right. If you're thinking about your family and moving forward and, you know, when, uh, when you got to start to settle down a little bit and, and even if not, right. Even if you're just someone that's watching this and that's noticing what it's like and realizing, okay, uh, we were thinking about maybe next year, you know, maybe in two years or towards the end of the year. But if you have a situation or you find something you like right now, you should go get it. You really should, because it it feels like it's only going up in value right now, Cindy. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, we're not going to be at the 20%, you know, increase of value like we were, excuse me, last year, but you know, we are going to see a steady growth and it's going to be a more normal growth, you know, but as you can see from the graph, I mean, it's still a great growth. So it's still like behooves you if you're even on the fence right now to, to be buying, to definitely buy for sure. Um, then, the next uh, thing I, I wanted think- to delve into is inventory. You know, experts, mm-hmm. uh, this is a great quote that I saw from realtor.com. Experts don't believe the market is in a bubble or a crash is in the cards like during the Great Recession. The nation is still suffering from a housing shortage that has reached crisis proportions at a time when many millennials... Hint, hint, Gino, that's your yep. age, are reaching mm-hmm. the age when they start to consider home ownership. That's likely to keep the prices high. Um, it, it, it comes to the supply and demand, uh, the basic concept. You know, there's not a lot of supply out there and there's a huge, still a huge demand. So that's going to continue to keep, you know, prices, you know, a little on the higher side. You know, like I said, we are going to see a more normal growth, you know, over the next few years, but we are still going to see a growth. And one of the things I wanted to talk about was, you know, the housing shortage, you know, a healthy market in real estate is where we have about a six month supply of homes for sale. About, you know, two months ago, we actually had less than two months worth of inventory on the market. You know, now we're kind of bouncing back a little bit. You know, we've got maybe about a two to three month window, but we are still exactly what they're talking about here. We're in a housing shortage. You know, during COVID, you know, we we had builders not building um, and that was really tough. And, um, you know, and like I said, and then with, you know, just everything that happened, you know, we just, we are definitely, you know, definitely in a shortage. So, um, so like I said, I said, I think that we're still going to be seeing, you know, what we're seeing for sure. And that that's what sort of leads us, I think, to one of the final things that we wanted to talk about how, while it feels like, you know, I, either side, you know, it's, it's tougher right now to be a buyer because there aren't as many, like we said, there's a shortage. It's definitely nice to be on the side when you're a, a seller because, you know, it's still in seller's court, but like you said, the, it's not a. It's not as if we're going to go into a crash or a recession right now. It's starting to feel, getting back towards being healthy. Yeah, exactly. A healthy market, or even you know, you could even consider it. You know, before the pandemic, you know, a more of a normal mm-hmm. market. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see. You know what happens over the next you know three to six months. You know, but you know, bottom line, you know, I mean, um, you know, it's still a great time to sell. 
it's still a great time to buy, you know, for exactly the reasons that, you know, we, we talked about, you know, it's still a great time to sell because we've got low in inventory. So if there's not a lot of houses for buyers to choose from, that seller is going to still be able to get a really good price for their, for their, for their property. It's still a good time to buy because, you know, we're still, even though we're not at 3% interest rates, you know, we're still historically low over the last 50 years, which, and which is great. And it's going you know? up. And if you buy now, what exactly. you're buying now is going to be worth in two years and three years. We just saw the graphics, it's 30, yep. 40, $50,000 more than what you just spent yep. right now. And there are going to be people out there with this shortage that are looking for more and probably willing to offer like above market value for a lot of these homes yeah, out there. Exactly. Exactly. You know, I guess I think we definitely will see a shift. And obviously this is summertime. Um, a lot of more people do put their houses on the, on the, on the market during summer. So we will see a little bit of an increase in, you know, in homes for sale. So definitely help the supply. And like I said, that's where we're seeing, you know, the supply coming up a little bit, you know, um, we're not going to, I don't see any indication and the experts aren't either that we're going to be at what we would consider, like I said, a healthy market of, you know, six months worth of inventory we're not there yet it's going to take time um so again it is still a great you know, a great time to to sell for sure you know um one of the other slides i had and i didn't have a chance to give it to you um but you know it does it looks like we are you know heading into a recession but with that said a recession doesn't mean that you know it, and it doesn't equal a housing crisis you know no. we've actually had six recessions over the years and only of those six, only two of them were actually home values went down. 1991 and 19 and, and 2008, which we all know was the crash, you know, the market crash. Again, that was very much lender driven um, because literally, Gino, they were giving you a loan. They were not verifying your income, your job, anything. Anybody and getting, less kidding. Yeah. Anybody, anybody that had a blue shirt on that day got a loan. So that's where <laughs> we saw it. But, but the, all the years that I'm talking about, 1980, 1981, 2001, 2020, all those years were considered recession years, but yet home values still increased at least three and a half percent. So um, yeah, so that's kind of where we're at. And like I said, I just really kind of wanted to give an overview of kind of really, you know, what's going on in the market, how the market is, you know, Gino, I'm so grateful, you know, for you having me on the show and for everybody listening. And, you know, obviously, of course, if anybody has questions about the market in their area, looking to buy, looking to sell, or, you know, really just want to know what their home is worth. I actually had a great conversation with a past client. Um, he purchased from me three years ago in Upland. He paid $525 for his house. It is now worth $850 in three years. Um, and so, like I said, you know, if you're just, you know, not really wanting to sell, but hey, I just really like to know what my value is. That's exactly why he reached out to me. So, you know, happy to help in in any aspect there is. So and I see you pulled up my website. Thank you, Gino. Yep. We're showing you uh, where you can reach out to Cindy right here. CindyCarava.com, C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com. And then you can get everything on here. Um, listings, um, uh, former projects, all sorts of information, anything about how to contact you to get started. Just, yep. you know, this is, this is the command center. This is a home. And then uh, <laughs> the, the email here, phone number, everything that you need to get in touch with Cindy. And uh, it's flashy too. It looks nice. Doesn't it even, even up here, it does yeah. look, it does look very nice. So Cindy, thank you so much. I think you really helped a lot of people out there. I know you helped me, especially over the last couple of weeks and just having some of these conversations with you and you're starting to, uh, starting to, to you know, make me get, you're definitely 
the catalyst for me starting to get ready to do this. So I appreciate well, no pressure, Gino, and I, but, I, know, I definitely know where I'm going the yeah, in the next, in the next time, little bit, when we, uh, when we, then those decisions are ready to rock. We're calling Cindy Carava. We're getting in touch with Cindy Carava. Um, as you heard, she's so knowledgeable and very nice and kind, right? When you're dealing with someone that's uh, that, that's going to be helping you out and you're going to have a lot of conversations with, you just want to be talking with someone that you enjoy talking with and you know is looking out for you and uh, and wants what's best for you. So um, I've always had that relationship with Cindy. It's our, wow, I've, I was going to say we're getting we're getting older now. It's, uh, I look, I'm I have to change the ads that I talk about how long I've known you all the time. Now it's like, wow, it's getting longer and yeah. longer. So we Cindy, do go thank- back away, don't we? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank you so much. And uh, make sure to t- uh, tell the family hello. And we'll talk again real soon. Great. Thank you, Gino. Have a great day. Thanks, everyone. Okay, folks, uh, make sure to give her a follow there on uh, and check her out on all social media. CindyCarava.com is the website. Don't go anywhere. We'll have a, a lot more on uh, coming up on That's What She Said. It was a lot of fun catching up with Cindy Carava. Now we will shift the, the focus back on over to racing. Let's talk some Saturday Louisiana Downs. We're looking at June the 18th, and we're looking at race number one. I'm going to go to the forward here, Texas Mama. She broke on. Uh, she broke outward in her last start. She kind of got bumped a little bit. She had to get back to third or fourth, and she was inside looking around for room. Couldn't get through down there. A trouble trip last out. I'm expecting better from her. The five Belmar Beauty will be tough. The one Hurricane Tisway will use underneath. She fits the conditions of this race well. But the four, Texas Mama, could be tough to catch and beat on the cutback here. Four, five, one in the opener. Race number two. We'll go looking for a price here with the one Chatane's Flyer. It's going to drop in class. She's one win right on the lead sprinting. There is not that much other speed in here. And she could be one of the closest up front. She stretches out a bit. She gets the inside draw, third off the long layoff. A great spot against the field without a ton of other early speed. She's 0 for the last 14, so we do need a price. Make sure she's around 10 to 1 or so, and let's hope she can catch a flyer early. The number one Chatane's Flyer. The two, Emma's ruler comes off of that last out win, and she's going to be really, uh, really tough right back off of her recent form. The the back to back really nice runner, a uh, really nice runner up, and then the win last out. Shop around, obviously very logical. So we'll use the one with the two and the four in race number two. Moving to the third, five furlongs on the turf course. I thought the four scampering Grace was quick, but she can sit a bit. Her last two races at tur- uh, on the turf at Louisiana are wins. They're really, really good. She hooked a tough group last time out at Fairgrounds. She ran into a horse named Touch of Class, who finished fourth in a really big field in a stakes race next time out. This barn isn't necessarily fantastic off a long, long layoff like this, but they're capable with the right type of horse. She could be tough to catch if she's able to clear in here. I don't know if anyone is quite as quick as she is early on. Maybe the one Listen up. So the five Eve's Delight could have an opportunity to get into this race if they do go quick early on. She was scratched out of a spot from earlier in the week, and she's got some upside on the turf. She's a little bit better than it might look at first glance. Her last two races are in pretty tough spots. Drop Dead Sexy just crushed that field and took the field gate to wire. Two back, she ran into Canada's Customs, who came right out of that race to win next time out. The three... Love to learn. No knocks. She exits a tough race, so she makes a whole lot of sense in there. And the 1A, Dance Away, 
super logical. Four, five, three, one A will be used in combination of exotics for me. Move into the fourth race. Six and a half furlongs on the dirt. Five thousand dollar restricted claimers here. The six hip four oh four. If you toss that last race going longer, he's gonna cut back. He loves six and a half furlongs. On May the 9th, he chased a wire-to-wire winner. That race is a little bit better than it might look on paper. Two Dot has the most early speed in the field, the inside draw, and catches a group without a ton of early speed. He's by far in the best form. Three straight really good races in similar spots since entering this barn. Six, one, and the five flash it. If you toss that last race off the long layoff, chasing lone speed, now you go second start off the bench. What's wrong with the form from last year? 615 in race number four at Louisiana. Remember, the fourth race kicks off the pick four, 15% low takeout. Race number five, a mile on the turf. It's like an all kind of race. It's a really tough one. But the two, if you look back in July, August, December of last year, has some races that really, really would fit well in here. There's not a ton of other pace. Don't be shocked to see him a little closer up than it might look if you just are glancing at some of his recent races, I think he can be aggressive for the placed. The eight is a horse who scratched out of a spot uh, over the weekend for this last weekend. So this is a good spot for, for Choppa style back to the turf. The four first rate fits on class here. We'll see if his running style will fit to this, the way this race plays out. The, those are the, the top, Tier 284 for me. Getting to race number six, we've got a Louisiana bred non winners of two allowance race, six and a half furlongs, the distance. The four Osceola was very impressive in winning his last start. He was bumped a bit at the start. He was right with the leading group, just off the heels, and made an early move to the lead. The three Papa Ringo will take the blinkers off, cutting back a little bit and getting back to the dirt after trying turf last time out. The 143. If he can work out a trip from the rail, he's going to be right there. He he defeated Papa Ringo last time out. He angled around nicely, and he was uh, second best. He just held off Papa Ringo. 4-3-1 in the sixth. We move to race number seven, Maiden, $12,500 claimers, going a mile on the turf. The seven Ronalds Gatsby can pass horses, can be a little closer, puts two starts together. He's better than his last effort might suggest. The 8 CF Congress hooked a wire-to-wire winner last time out. Two starts back was behind, or uh, two starts back was behind a wire-to-wire winner, Whitaker. And then Magic Lightning got the jump on him last time out when he finished second. So 7-8, the 2 King Prin loves the minor awards. That'd be one to use underneath the 3. Any other questions if you were looking to go a little bit deeper could be flashing some speed there. Maybe even the 1. Mr. Tin Man, but 7-8 is the top tier in race number 7 to close out the Saturday Louisiana Downs card. So, that's Saturday for you. Let's head on over and talk some Santa Anita for Saturday. We're also going to give you a little bit of a bonus, bonus, bonus. We're going to talk some Louisiana Sunday on this episode also. So, a little bonus coverage here as we head to Santa Anita for Saturday. Get the past performances out for June, June the 18th Maiden special weights in race number one A mile and an eighth on the turf I like the six Irish profit So in the debut There was a next out winner There was not a lot of passing that day That horse trainer please was the horse who 
He again lost to on April the 10th. He was in tight early, but he was up close. He was in the top three. He was pressing. He was all the way up to second. He took a shot at the leader, but the horse who won, won gate to wire. Then in his third start, he tried the dirt. He hooked a horse named Hopper. Hopper won the grade three, affirm next out with a 95 buyer. Shout out to uh, Stranger Things. Irish Profit, the number six is eight to one on the morning line. Anything around five to one, we'll make a win wager there. Let's flip to race number six. About the two Havana Lane, possibly an exotic single. However, you're playing this race. If you can get like three to one, I would make a win wager. Comes off of a good second. Was right with the leaders early, but then had to back off from the inside, so not to battle. And then the horse that she backed off of ended up winning wire to wire. Second off the short break. Should be forwardly placed in here. And the hill might work out really nicely for her. She's one going seven and a half furlongs. Might be able to sit a little bit better here. In the seventh race, it's the grade two Santa Maria. Blue Stripe was really impressive last time out. I think she should be pretty tough right back. If Private Mission takes a lot of money, keep an eye on her. And then Varda, she had a tough start, a couple starts. Uh, She was two from the back. She was in the four path, about eight lengths off. She started to get into a nice stride late. Third start off the bench. She could be ready to step forward with her best. 3-6 in race number seven. The eighth race, the number five, Sword Zorro. Five to one on the morning line. Second start off the bench. Second start at four. Ran into a horse named There Goes Harvard, who has won three in a row, including the grade one gold cup next time out. Sword Zero. If you just put a line through that last effort, be a little forgiving for the race in September because that was one that sent him to the bench for a long time. What's wrong with the races just before that? Sword Zorro, 5-1. to one. Number 5, uh, we can get over 7-2. to two. We'll make a win wager there. In race number 10, I absolutely love the 6 in here, Kaizen. This horse is 8-1 to one on the morning line. If he's anything over 7-2, to two, I'm going to make a win wager on him. In his last start, he was going a mile and an eighth on May the 7th. He had a crowded start. He was sixth. He was inside about four or five lengths off. Got caught in between horses. He wanted to go, but he didn't have room inside. He was just up behind the leaders. He was loaded with nowhere to go. It was a brutal, brutal trip. He will now go third start off the long layoff. He's going to get some class relief. This is a softer spot. He was in a race that produced two next out winners. The horses who ran first and second both came back to win their next start. He has two races where he's had a lot of trouble and not a lot of room. Other than that, all of his route races are good. He used the March 26th race off the long, long layoff as a nice prep, a sprint to get a little fitness under his belt to step forward. I think he's going to run a big one. Kaizen, 8-1 to one on the morning line. That's the number six horse in race number 10. In the 12th race, I played the uh, the outside horse no longer a hobby last time. He ran really well. He got a great trip. He loomed up. He just, he loves to finish second or third. He loves minor awards. If he's a big price, which he will be, throw him in your exotics. Look at the horse who he finished right behind, Minister Shane. That horse is 4-1 to one on the morning line. And no longer a, a hobby was right behind and ran very well that day. So toss that one in uh, in some of your exotics there. That's Saturday uh, Saturday over at Santa Anita. Sunday is closing day. I will be helping out on the Santa Anita Twitter feed. We're going to be doing a Sunday preview of the races 
and it'll be a closing day mandatory payout in the pick six, rainbow six, and all the exotics. So make sure to come hang out. That'll be Sunday morning, 10 o'clock a.m. Pacific time, 1 o'clock p.m. Eastern time, right before the card begins at Santa Anita a couple hours before. So 10 a.m. Pacific time uh, on the Santa Anita Twitter feed and YouTube. Let's get to Louisiana Downs for Sunday. As always, I'll be out on the broadcast helping out, talking races before each and every race there. In the opener, I thought the one decide should get a great trip. Comes off of a race where he won, and he had a slow start. He was about eight lengths off early, and he ran down a horse who was right on the lead early. This guy moved inside, and then from the back, he was right up into contention. He waited, he got an opening inside, and he really gained late. He should benefit from a couple of the early speeds going at it. One, five, six in the opener. Race two on Sunday, June the 19th. We're looking at the five furlong turf sprint. The number five, Rodessa Flash, made a early four wide move. Was actually out in the five path at the top of the lane. And then bumped a rival when starting to straighten out. And once he got straightened out, he really stretched his legs well. And it was kind of a well-measured win when it was all said and done. Rodessa Flash, top selection there. The 1A Dixieland Music. His damn won twice on the turf. If you put a line through the race at six and a half, overall, this guy's form looks a lot better. Dixieland music fits well in this spot. The two hog wild drops a notch. Second start off the bench. Short little break. And he's kind of a measuring stick for here. I wouldn't really want to take a short price on him. It's just one for 15 and 0 for 8 overall on the turf. But he's hard to leave out of exotics. Third race is a contentious little six-pack. I like the three, Mary Alice. Tossed the race in the slop last time out. Look at that May 7th race at Oaklawn. That was against $8,000 beaten claimers. A good third. Was right with the leaders from the rail. Was in, That was in a sprint and then had to back out of a tight spot. Came on again. Was right there within a half length late in the stretch before tiring. She's 0 for her last 18, but 17 of those 18 have been against tougher. The one time she was at the 5,000 beaten level... She ran fourth. It wasn't bad. And then she was sent to a five-month layoff after that. I think she fits. The five peaceful vision, third off the bench. She should get a pretty good trip sitting third or fourth. She has a couple wins at Louisiana. A couple wins at six and a half. The one tiddly is really quick. She she could wire this field. Dr. Francis is the big dropper. You got the six custom for Carlita, who's sharp, coming in off a couple really nice efforts. And then, oh yeah, Jose Guerrero on the four, Kodiak Sky, in a tough third race. Three, five, one. The fourth race, Louisiana bred Phillies and Mares, non-winners of two, six and a half on the dirt. The four, Nunya, faced open company last time out. Now is back in with Louisiana breds. She's proven at six and a half furlongs. She gets back to the dirt. She drew the rail and she tried to angle around widest of all in a race where nobody was really passing. That was going five furlongs on the turf. This is six and a half in a dirt sprint with a few other possible speeds to set up the rally. Four. The two Zumra Bayou is a pace factor in here, consistently the quickest early on. We'll try to outrun this field. The one kiss goodbye. If she can work out that trip from the rail, she could be pretty tough. Four, two, one in race number four. 
as we move along to the fifth race. Little E will take the blinkers off. This is a, a class dropper who returns to the turf, and her best race did by far come on the, on the grass when she chased a lone speed winner that day, and she was really close and well late. The eight have I ever. That's the horse to beat off the runner-up against much better. The three true blonde ante, her damn one on the turf, and has produced a turf-winning full. So two siblings have tried the turf. One of them is one for one, and the other was 0 for 4, but did have two-thirds. The one La La Latte goes for a barn who can win off a long layoff and has some of the better turf form. Tantalizing 10 has a couple winning turf siblings. Half to a horse named Defiant, who's earned over 140000 In the sixth race, going a mile and 70, first level allowance. Mo Vodka, please. His best effort came going long. He's got a lot more early speed than most of these, and he showed a lot more early speed when stretching out. Who pushes him? The seven plus envision is kind of quick. I'll use him underneath a little too. The one Mao Mao is a four-time winner who should save all the ground and come running late. The five, can I have it like that, comes off of a couple races where he really wouldn't have to do much better than what he was doing to be right on the wire with these. Two, one, four, Vim and Vigor. Obvious player, but not a win machine. Two, one, four, five, seven. Two, one is kind of that top tier. Closing things out on Sunday with a five-for-long turf sprint. The seven fancy infinity is one who I'm projecting to be better on the grass at a price. The six thunder takes the lead, dropping back to the maiden claiming level after trying maiden specials. The five, Peanut and Ike, another one who could be okay on the grass. The three, Robber, Lone Sib, one on the turf. And the one, Orbital Star, comes off that runner-up effort last time out. That is Sunday, Louisiana Downs, and we're going to head from horse racing on over to wrestling this week in wrestling with Chad Cooper. We talk about everything going on with WWE, SmackDown, Monday Night Raw, NXT, and AEW. It's Koopa Loop with This Week in Wrestling. Here it is, folks. Fight of the night. I'm trying to claim that belt once and for all. It's this week's wrestling recap. All right, calm down. And here he is, your hometown hero, your reigning champ, the one and only Chad Cooper. It's time for this week in wrestling with Chad Cooper. There is a lot to talk about and uh, not a lot of time. So let's jump right on in. Just uh, and for everyone listening, there's some big news going on out there. The first news story that came out in the last day or so about Vince McMahon, we're probably not going to talk a whole lot about because it's just it just came out. There's so little information about it. I don't really like talking about stuff where it's a lot of speculation back and forth. So we'll wait. If we find out more information in the coming weeks, we'll dive back into that. But Coop, before we get into uh, like the recaps of the shows, there was some sad news uh, again this week about Jeff Hardy, someone who is just a really, really loved wrestler, has been a big star in the last 20 years with his brother and then a single star, but he had another DUI. This is someone who's had a lot of problems. I don't know anyone that has a bad word to say about Jeff Hardy as a person overall. Everybody seems to really love him. But when you're in, if you want to drink and even if you, you know, and 
even if you should or shouldn't be doing it on your own in your own home, that's what you want to do. As soon as you get in the car, though, you start jeopardizing other people's life. That's where it, where it's a problem. It's an unfortunate situation. Um, and the saddening part is it's become uh, very problematic. This, this is not the first, second, or possibly even third time. And I'm not talking about DUI arrest. I'm just talking about no dealing with uh, uh, alcohol type addiction. It's uh, it, it's it's scary. Um, according to some of the reports, uh, you know, AEW wanted to put the tag team rockets on these guys and strap them up. Um, there there was rumors about other things. You know, Jeff didn't look good here. Jeff didn't look good there. I can tell you this: uh, there was some speculation. You know, WrestleMania weekend. Uh, with AEW uh, doing some things, uh, I know firsthand he was in Houston. A friend of mine uh, had him in for a signing uh, at, at a sports bar, and he was the utmost professional. Uh, no issues. Uh, he was there for three or four hours. There was five, six hundred people that waited in line to meet him. There was zero issues. The guy even got a guitar and started playing. And what was interesting, in there was this. Uh, I don't know if you remember this. They're still around. They they had that song Bartender several years ago. It was a slow kind of country rap song that everybody sang along to from the band called Rehab. Mm -hmm. uh, they were next door in concert later that night, and Hardy went in and, and sat with them and played a song. But he was an utmost professional. There was no issues that weekend at all. But at the end of the day, you just never know what's going on. And, you know, if people are acting strange, not acting strange. They know it. Um, it's just unfortunate because he is a member of one of the most iconic tag teams in professional wrestling history. So we all love Jeff. We hope he can get some help. We love seeing Jeff perform, but he doesn't have he doesn't owe anyone anything. Anymore, he's done everything there is to do in in wrestling multiple times over. So hopefully he can be, uh, you know, he can get help and um, and you know we'd love to see him on on TV, but he doesn't need to be out there doing crazy stuff every week. And maybe you know sometimes that could be like a catalyst to to something. So hopefully things uh, can improve for Jeff because we just can't see him out there anymore. With like, yeah, honestly, I don't even know how. Like how does he have a license even, or how is he driving, getting yeah. a rental car? You know, he should. Someone at this point should shouldn't be able to. And it's just sad, you know. He's got a lot of money. But there's so many Uber, rideshare, and Lyft, and everything out there. He he's someone who should, you know, at this point, if you want to do that, if you still feel like that you you need to do that, then have a have a driver. You know, it's uh, a lot of options nowadays coop what do we know about sasha banks right now did we did we find out anything more uh, as we're talking on thursday morning i think as of like wednesday it sounded like sasha banks was possibly released or was granted released or was gone but i i have we heard more follow-up on that yet no as as of our talking now there's no official word for either okay. camp. i know there was some jumping of the gun now will it will it happen it certainly looks like it. Um, I, I think WWE bears no bones anymore about just releasing people. You know, years ago, you would keep talent around just because even if you're not using them and you're mad at them, you didn't want them to go other places. Where it seems like their MO now is just, I ah, just release them. You know, we're done yeah. and we're moving forward. But 
not saying it can't be fixed because everything can at least, you know, there, there's always two sides to every story, but this sure does look like the end of the road and it may not be able to be fixed on Sasha Banks side of it. She may not want it fixed. She may, uh, she may want to move on whether she ends up in AEW impact uh, foreign country wrestling organizations don't know, but this does certainly look like the end of the road for uh, Sasha Banks and WWE. Let's dive on into SmackDown from last week. So we had the Money in the Bank qualifying matches begin, which I love. The, sure. These are little things. The result you're not always going to like who wins. You're not always going to like the results, but they make matches that you'd normally have on TV just seem a little bit more important. You know, having actual winners and losers. Lacey Evans gets the win over Zaya Lee. The presentation for them is just so funny with Lacey Evans and how. Uh, this has just been hilarious, but they're, she's she, they're going with her as the baby face. Um, apparently, we actually had Sheamus versus Drew McIntyre in a Money in the Bank qualifier and in a double DQ. So neither of them are able to qualify, and that was something that we saw Drew going to ask throughout the show. He wants a shot. Sheamus wants a shot. They both think they deserve a chance, and they both want to try to get in. So. We did get little promos for the matches from Zaya, from Lacey before, and then uh, Lacey got the win. Uh, so that was a uh, that was uh, the second match there. That was uh, before Drew came in and uh, and spoke. Um, so what did you think about the uh, the qualifiers here that we had? No real result. Sheamus, Drew, these guys are always pretty fun when they go at it, hard hitting, and uh, this will lead to something more. As Drew had already kind of staked his claim. As uh, as him challenging for the title in a couple months when the WWE goes to the UK, and then what do you think about Lacey Evans getting the win and uh, you know, and her being presented as you know a contender and possibly someone to win the Money in the Bank? Yeah, I'm a big fan of Lacey Evans first and foremost. Uh, it was I, you know we had to endure some of these long uh, promos uh, and repetitive promos to get her back where we were today. It wasn't as long as the Veer Mahanda raw stuff, uh, but we were kind of getting, uh, you know, uh, leg weary with, with some of her, her, her March back, but she's hard not to like, man. She, she, she is, we we've talked about her week in week out. She's got a hell of a story. Uh, she's great on social media. She, she bears no bones, man. It is, uh, she lives the gimmick, uh, gets in her mobile home trailer, travels with her husband and two children. One's basically a newborn. Um, I, I, the star. It's so, I, yeah, it's, it's so it's funny because it's just, it's like one of those things where you, it, it sometimes it feels like a, it's like a team where their coach makes them worse. Sure. You know what I mean? If you sure. just let her just be herself and just like roll the ball out there and let him go, like the real girl is good in the ring. Her story is great, but I don't know what I hated the way they were sort of coming at it. Now, now she's in the ring and wrestling, so hopefully we can sort of get a like if we can feel like it's sort of fresh and different. But I agree with you when you think about her and her real life story. She's someone who's such a natural baby face. And that's such a problem that WWE has with just making good baby faces. We're going to talk about Bianca again in a minute, you know, a little bit like she's fine. But ever since she's won, she's just been not as interesting. They, they've kind of flatlined with her a little bit And it feels like Rhea is sort of the one Who should now take the title there And that's on the other side So Lacey is in The money in the bank They uh, We get Ronda And <laughs> Okay so let's let me pay Positives negatives Positives 
I like that we're getting to see Ronda wrestling more. This like Ronda as a fighting champ, one who comes out and we get to see have matches more often. I actually like. I I, I think that's we we spoke about the use of Ronda. I think that's a better use of Ronda. But she comes out and it's like she doesn't know. It's like if you heard someone talking that's never had a conversation with someone before, and they just don't know. Like we're live they don't, now. <laughs> you know, like well, they just don't know what like what is like the cadence to talk, you know, or just like when to talk, when to stop. Then someone else talks. Then you sort of she just sort of comes out with the mic. Yeah, you're, and you're and you're like, yeah, we're live, Rhonda. You know, uh, are we li- you know, oh, I, my, I, like the the mic's on, and she, she's like. Yeah, guys, you know, so me and Natty are gonna do it's it's really it's so weird. For somebody that's been on the big stage and not just WWE, but on top of not just the women's side of the UFC, she was their biggest star. I know a long time, right? She's regressed in this. It used to not be this bad. Right, right. And you know what? I have noticed I, I don't know how what the length of it was, but they quickly interrupted Jotsy. And, and I, now, and that's I, smart. Yeah, I think that was purposely done. They got it. Yeah, because <laughs> it's like she doesn't. It would be like you know, it would be like starting a show with just you and me talking and not being like, "Hey guys, this is this this is that's what G said podcast," you know. And we're gonna listen. Ch- Chad Cooper's coming on, and now we're gonna talk about wrestling, you know. And it would just be like, uh, hello? so Monday, you know, Monday <laughs> we were, um, you know, and, and you just sort of start talking, but like, yeah, she. It's really weird. It's like, um, you know, th- man, this is a Wendy's. You know, it's like one of those memes where it's like, um, you know, <laughs> she pulls you know what's interesting. The- you know what's interesting about it, Gino, is I think they've got a pretty good storyline, and there's some good stuff here. I agree. Natalia. The problem I have with this is Natalia has been a babyface one week, a heel one week. She hasn't really embraced the heel. There's a good storyline there, and I yeah. think this could be a very interesting match. Now, them saying, well, she may not be cleared in time for money in the bank. Uh, I, you know, if, if that's the way you want to keep them to apart. But I think there is something there between it's Ronda simple, and I, too. It, it, it is. You just say, hey, look, it. they trained together. Natty was one of the, the people who helped Ronda the most when she got into this business and helped get her ready. To get in here and they've trained together Before Ronda even came to WWE Natty would go and train with them And, and learn submissions and then she would Show them some stuff here and there Natty can can easily cut a, a Small promo and just talk and show Some video some footage of them for a long time Ronda I know you Better than any of these other Like in the WWE I taught you a lot of what to do Here and you are weakened right Now I made sure of that And now I'm going to be able to pick you apart Boom! Like it's simple. It's really simple. There and you're, there's your story. And so you have Rhonda, who, yeah, she's probably not going to get beat by Natty, but now Rhonda looks a little bit weakened. And so going into it, you sort of make Natty seem like she's got a little bit more of a chance. That's it's not that hard. And no. and she's yeah, good. In the, Natty's really good in the ring for all they, the they, crap that a lot of people give her. You know, she gets emotional. She cries. She, yeah, yeah. There's never been a point where we said Natty is not very good in the in the squared circle. And never. those two would go and work on the match, right? Like they would work oh, together yeah. and make sure that it was a really good match. And I think I would, it will be. Me too. I think I think it will be. And I like this. I like this version of Ronda when she's 
wrestling a little bit more, trying to be the fighting champ. Just yeah, we got to get her working working more or less on those promos. I don't know. I, I don't know because look, uh, Gino, uh, if you go back and watch the match, uh, the in-house crowd should be hot for Ronda and Shotzi. They really weren't. They were sitting no. on their hands a little bit. They got they got interested when Natty got involved, right? But they shouldn't be, and I think it hurts with the promo, the lack of promo skills. We then had the uh, IC Championship match, and so mixed feelings on this again. I love Ricochet. Uh-huh. Is it is it a bummer that Ricochet had a, an IC title run that's going to be very forgetful? Yeah, but one, I guess I'd rather have Ricochet on TV, which we've gotten to see him for the last couple months versus not. So this was a better spot than he had been in. And two, when he was not, when him and Finn were both the champs, and they weren't on WrestleMania, and as the IC champ and the US champ, we could sort of spell it wasn't great for them long term with those belts. And now at least those titles are on people that you feel like they're more invested in right now and want to push. And it actually worked out pretty well for Finn. Finn is actually in a good spot right now Better than we would have thought When he lost that title a few weeks ago And then the US title gets to be put on Theory Who they like a lot more Hell, they had Theory in the main event of Monday Night Raw Doing the pose down (laughs) Doing the freaking pose down And now, is it, you know Would we have given Ricochet a better run? Probably But Gunther is someone who feels like a main eventer This guy has changed his body the presentation feels very old school Like Vince McMahon heel Like he likes this kind of foreign bad guy I could see him You know running with this title for a while And I could see them Continuing to get behind him So I'm I'm okay with him winning this uh, First and foremost Hell of a match uh, Really good uh, There really wasn't a whole lot You can nitpick uh, a part of this You had you know um, You had a reverse sunset flip uh, you know, you had, I think, what at one time Ricochet went for a springboard. Uh, Guther, I think, caught him for a slipper or a sleeper. Um, Ricochet got out of that. Um, Kaiser was involved. He got, uh, he got super kicked. Um, and then we had the, uh, the power bomb, uh, for the championship. I think it's the right move. Th- this guy is going to be hard to, uh, not continue to put over. Um, mm-hmm. He was special in NXT. He was special in, you know, NXT UK when he came over here to the States. I know a lot of people, I, I think you and I both were, man, this name change thing. We didn't completely hate on it because if you're good, you're going to be able to do that. That name is 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 going to be long yep. forgotten, the name change. And he's been able to do that already in this quick time. I agree. Uh, man, you can't. He's just a phenomenal hill. He is that old school '80s Nikolai Volkov. That that you know, just that the guy is not from the United States of America, and you hate him because he's a badass, and you just want him beat all the time by these baby faces. The thing I worry about now is Ricochet. I'm not worried about Guther. He he's yep. he, he's got nowhere to go. With. This guy is going to be main eventing sooner this sometime this year. Ricochet could be in trouble here. Um, maybe he goes down to NXT. I would love for that to happen. Um, two I, I two, two options for him, right? That if he, if we could get that for him, or him to get qualified into the Money in the Bank, 
good point. To just, good just not even for him to win it, just for him just to a, be around yeah. because he's the type of guy in that match that really shines. So then you have him around for another month or so where he's on TV. He's at least in some of these qualifying matches or he's in matches against some of the other guys that are in Money in the Bank, right? That's right, that's right. usually what they would end up doing. That that could be good for him. And maybe in a few months we see him sort of like what happened to Finn. It maybe it ends up in like a blessing in disguise for him and he ends up in a better spot. It I I don't you know, even even Mustafa, who we were saying, like he he lost, but you know what? He was on TV again wrestling on Raw. Like if these guys are on TV weekly and parts of the show, I don't think that's they mind or I think they're they're happy with being with that. For a lot of these guys and gals, it's just the not getting a chance. That's true. That's it's a just a, why am I in catering and you don't ever even let me on TV? You're telling me that I am Mustafa am not one of the 30 best talents that you have that I can go out there and have matches every couple weeks at least. You're telling me for a lot of them, they weren't even getting time. So at least now we're seeing the the talented people on TV um, more often, like uh, like Sammy and Riddle. Before that, we found out that next week we're gonna get the first male model from Max Do <laughs> and. Uh, so this match, we we talked about it a little bit last week. Uh, who who's the odds-on favorite here to to be the first? Is it someone on the roster? We know it's not going to be Cameron Grimes, right? We yeah, because Grimes. We th- yeah, we were saying I I would my 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 pick my lo- my my actual pick would be someone like Tyler Breeze. You know, okay. like someone new that we know that comes back that could kind of have fun with the gimmick too, and that could play with it. I'm I don't know if they're going to be. Oh, or maybe like if they really wanted to have a good time too, but they're kind of doing this with Elias already. If it was L.A. Knight or or sure. Eli Drake, you know, L.A. Knight or Eli Drake or like a former him, but just differently, you know, a different version of him. Um, so like he, he comes out and he says, "Yeah, I'm I'm L.A. Knight. I'm the wrestler. You know, I'm the main event. I'm the man. I'm the man. Yeah, yeah, yeah." But I think. I think that's wishful thinking from, uh, well, from you know we're, it's going to be an interesting SmackDown. You know, uh, we we've got that spot. I think we're going to have at least one women's Money in the Bank qualifier. I would think that Raquel uh, is probably uh, slotted for one of those spots. And then you know what's interesting is I, I'm not a fan of of this stipulation. I, I don't think anything is needed. With Roman Reigns and Riddle, and now Riddle loses, he can't challenge. Didn't we just see Cody Rhodes do that in AEW, and it ruined Cody Rhodes in AEW? I don't, just like, don't it. like that. Just don't I don't like either. It. Because he, it puts you, it books you into a corner. You know? It's going to be a schmozzy finish then. If you're going to try to protect Riddle, you know, I don't think we're getting Randy Orton back. I think some people thought so. I read some things. He may have to have back surgery now. I don't know how long he's going to be out. If he wasn't, I think it would be a perfect time for him to come back, you know, because you know the Usos are going to get involved or Sami Zayn's going to get get involved. But I just don't know if that match needed that stipulation. Me neither. And Sammy, this was this was funny. This match on Friday though, was, it was <laughs> yeah, great. Sammy's great, and it was it was uh, if Sammy wins, he's like part of the bloodline. You know, <laughs> that's what they were saying. Like Paul Heyman was saying. You know, I'll make I'll make sure I'll I'll tell Roman that you are part of the blood. But then if he loses, R- Riddle got the shot, and so uh, 
So Riddle gets the win. And as Coop mentioned, we're going to get the championship match on Friday. We'll see what happens there. As we move along to Monday Night Raw, we got Jimmy Uso beating Montez Ford. I thought it was kind of weird because yeah. I don't mind. In a singles situation, Montez shouldn't be losing as much. Yeah. He's someone that feels like they like a lot. In tag situations, I'm fine with the Usos beating them, but I, I don't know. It's not a big deal, but I, I I like Montez a little bit. And we got Alexa and Liv winning in a Money in the Bank qualifier. They beat Dewdrop and Nikki, so both Alexa and Liv are in. Good for the, the both of them in the Money in the Bank. Ezekiel beat KO via countout. We're getting Elias next week. <laughs> Elias is coming. MVP beat Cedric Alexander. Seth Rollins beat AJ in the Money in the Bank qualifier. Awesome match that could have been like a, a WrestleMania main event and, you know, maybe a, a really a big match again down the line someday. Riddle got the win over Ciampa. It's weird what they're doing with Ciampa. He's, it, it's, it, it's a lot of time, but there's just really no purpose except for yeah. good TV matches, which I guess there's nothing wrong with that, but there's not a purpose for him right now. I know, no talking, no real character Gable beat Mustafa Ali And then Veer beat Rey Mysterio Some other things throughout the show To uh, to discuss So yeah, we uh, we opened up with Heyman And talking about what's going to happen on SmackDown With the Usos Which led to the uh, the match for, with Montez against, uh, against Jimmy So what'd you think of uh, Jimmy Uso Getting the win there for the bloodline And now we're going to have a Leading to our big match on Friday With the with Riddle versus the Big Goose uh, Fine with the match 13-14 minutes Good solid action uh, All four of these members uh, Can go when, when they're they're Either put in a tag team uh, Or one on one The problem I have with this is It just seems like Raw continues to go to the well one too many times. I'm not I saying, know. look, we're not just throwing it in because they're up against what game four was Monday night of the NBA playoffs. Uh, they're not throwing in the towel. We, they, there's no longer throwing in the towel when you're a company, you're your public traded company like the WWE, and you have a lot of stakes are involved each and every week. Um, I, I'm over that excuse, even for AEW. I, I just feel like Raw goes to the well too many times. I'm fine with this match. The problem is we've seen every version of it before. I'm sure they they have probably worked each other on the house circuit probably for months now. And it's probably an even fantastic house show match. It was fine. I just don't know why Montez Ford is losing. I I would put Montez Ford in the Money in the Bank ladder match. I, I would I would put this guy. I, I just think sometimes uh, we, we get we get in the way of, of our own selves, and, and I think WWE is just sometimes. Well, let's just do this. It's safe. They're going to put on a good match. It's okay if Montez wins. It keeps the Usos strong. Uso, the tag champions. If they're going to lose, I would rather the Usos lose in a singles match when it has nothing to do with the titles. I get pissed off. When the Usos lose a tag team match Contender matches Me too, I hate that This would have been a perfect opportunity To put Montez over But I I, I just, I'm fine with the match I just didn't get it I just didn't get the premise of it Uh, We had uh, Seth set up the match For a little later on We'll talk about that match in a moment Then we had Becky come out And um, 
She cut her promo talking about the disrespect that's been shown. Um, Asuka interrupts her. And uh, so we're going to have a, it's a match between the two of them, right? As a qualifier. It is. It is. And it's interesting. Um, You talked about the match earlier. We got Alexa Bliss and Liv Morgan both qualified. And I'm perfectly fine with that. Poor, poor Liv is, is stuck in a tag team tundra so to speak yeah just every week maybe that's a way to get two qualified and you didn't have the time for two singles matches um i just hated it it was against dewdrop and nikki because they just absolutely both of them have become a joke i i i don't know if i like this or not um the good thing about it is they're going to put on a hell of a match the bad part about it is one of them quote unquote is not going to qualify for it and if I'm booking this match, I have Asuka go over on Becky. Me too. Me too. I start, look, Becky's already put put the plant of the seed out there. Hey, you you put me in a match with Dana Brooke last week for the 24-7 title. This is a joke. She said it again this week. I would put her on a losing streak and have yeah. her. I, I, I think that's Really crack. And just have her crack, kind of like her old man did, Seth. And mm-hmm. I think this would be another a, a good way to get Asuka over. Becky does not need to be involved in this ladder match. Now, if you're going to do this, Gino, let's not do it like we did the women's championship at Hell in a Cell. Let's not let Becky lose, and then all of a sudden the week of, ah, Becky's beat so-and-so, or Becky's getting added to this match. Don't do that to me. If they do that, I'm going to be pissed off. If they don't, don't lose and she's not a part of it, and she just starts picking people off, I, I, I would dig that. But, I would love it if she was so but, crazy she went out in the middle of the match and attacked everyone absolutely. during the match, and they have to come and restrain her. But absolutely. then all of the women are out, and it sort of like resets the match. You know, like ten minutes into the match, she comes out with a weapon and just starts taking them out one at a time, and then they're all just laying there, and the refs come and they drag her back out. Wouldn't you just and, rather see that instead of her losing to Asuka and then the week of Adam Pearce? Well, you know, I've been told by the absolutely. board of directors that, uh, you, you know, you're, since you're one of the best women's, raw women's champion of all time, you, you get in. No, don't do that. Absolutely. I, I think just have her go nuts. Have her go crazy. Ezekiel got the win via count out. And so um, we are uh, we're going to get next week. A guitar solo, a concert from Elias. We're gonna walk with Elias. <laughs> it feels like time for this, right? Like I felt like this has played out pretty well, but it was starting to get to the point where you you couldn't keep going over and over and over again. So I'm actually really interested in how what they're gonna do here and how they're gonna do this. Yeah, I don't. I, 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 you know, uh, we've said it for a couple of weeks now. Uh, we don't mind KO. And Ezekiel uh, after a couple weeks, but then we have to be careful, and this is the time we have to be careful because KO lost. It's okay; he 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 don't need to win every week. I just I thought it was kind of strange, though. I don't know if you caught on to this or not. Especially Corey Graves, he can be an ass sometimes, especially on commentary. I don't know if he was told to put over Kevin Owens. Maybe it was because they knew KO was losing the match. But, man, he he just hasn't – I know he's supposed to be the Hill announcer. But man, he has crapped on Ezekiel, and he just yeah. pushed KO in the entire match. I didn't really dig that a whole lot. I'm not the biggest Corey Grace fan in the world, number one, because he's married to 
one of my ex-girlfriends, uh, Carmela. Yeah, uh, that's true. Really, you, know, yeah. I'm, I'm <laughs> like, you know, now is the time. It's going to be interesting to see. And I think people are, are, are going to tune, tune in just for this segment alone to see what they're going to do. I don't know how they're going to do it, but it's, I, I think it's going to be really cool. I, I give WWE some credit for, for bringing this back because you got to do it sooner rather than later. And now's the perfect time, man. Now's the perfect time. I don't know how they're going to do it, but, you know, we'll see. Carmella Cooper. And uh, <laughs> that we, goes so well. It does. It goes off your tongue it does. perfectly. <laughs> it really does. It really does. The uh, just right. a little squash here. MVP beat Cedric. They want to make uh, probably Omos and MVP look strong here for a moment. We'll see where they go, what direction with him. Then we had a great Seth AJ match, which uh, you know, good. really good stuff, Coop. And uh, Seth gets the win, so he's qualified now. It was it was great. I, 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 you know, um, I'm okay with AJ losing. Um, this match was probably one of the best singles matches we've seen on Raw in a long, long yeah, time. Yeah, Seth kind of needed it. That's why I'm okay. He, did, he, he, he needed did. a win like this, sort of like a visible win like this, you know? Yeah, and it, it doesn't hurt AJ. A, AJ's coming off a couple losses. The, the Judgment Day, um, you know, storyline really didn't fit him well. Um, I, let's see what they, you know, the interesting part is, let's see what they do with AJ. Let's see what they do with AJ. Does he weasel his way in? Um, we need a face. We need a face. Now that Cody Rhodes is, they've announced it's going to be out eight, nine, maybe 10 months uh, with this uh, pectoral surgery. I, I I think AJ is, we keep him off TV a couple of weeks and I think he can come and, and be a strong face. Look, you got Riddle. But Riddle's, you know, is over on SmackDown right now. I think AJ could be a really strong face uh, on Monday Night Raw again. It's funny because you got um, when Roman Reigns isn't around, you need someone to sort of be the proxy to kind of feud with Riddle. And so you got the Miz kind of in there, like, you know, being the heel. It's sort of like what Jericho has to do on Dynamite when all those guys (laughs) from New Japan aren't there. And he has to go around for like five minutes and set everything up. You know why they're here? Because of this. And he like has to cut a promo to literally explain 70 things. It was, uh, I I, I put two and two together here. But, hey, you know, Ciampa, they don't have a plan for him right now, it seems like. But at least we're getting Ciampa in the ring, which he's really good in the ring. Riddle gets a victory here. And uh, we mentioned this a little earlier. They set up the Rhea Ripley, Bianca Belair feud a little bit. Bianca talked about Rhea, and then Rhea appeared on the big screen. And Judgment Day talked Finn Balor, then Damian Priest. And uh, so this this is at least, I was mentioning earlier, Bianca is someone who, after she won the title, I thought she's felt a little bit less interesting. I think this makes her feel more interesting now, just being in this feud with them. I do feel like Rhea should win this. I don't know if it's now the first time they wrestle, or maybe they something happens, Shmozzi, and then she wins it down the line. But I think Rhea, in this package with the with the Judgment Day, I sort of like. And Bianca could they could go back and forth. Like every title doesn't have to be a year long or two year long reign, right? That's Good. not that's Amen. not reality. Amen. I don't like that. I, Me neither. I, I, I don't like where you have a change for one week. In the Miz you don't need a hot potato, but there's yeah, a difference between, but you it's know, okay to lose the title. And a couple of months later, you win yep. it back or win it mm-hmm. back on, on TV. Um, Rhea's strong right now. And yep. I think it's going to be hard to keep the title off of her. I agree. 
you know, do it now. Look, like I, I said, this feels like her moment right now. It does. It does. You know, and then and Bianca's better in in the chase mode, anyways. Is and I think she needs that because look, her in ring is so good. Where she's been kind of weak a little bit is outside the ring, and she looked a little again. She looked uncomfortable to me in that segment. She's sitting at the announcer's table. Rhea's on the big screen, cutting a hell of a promo. Bianca's kind of snickering. Then she gets serious for a second. Then she starts smiling, and she kind of holds the title up a little little bit. I I just think that I'm with you. She needs to be in chase mode, and I think it would make for a better Bianca. She's better when she's serious, and she's better when she's chasing the title. Let Rhea have it for a couple of months. I think she deserves it. She's hot right now. She's a good heel. She wins it. Let her do it in a heelish fashion. Heck, let Finn or Priest interfere, you know, and, and, and even make it better uh, for Bianca uh, to lose in that fashion. I, I just think she's better this summer in chase mode. And Look, if you've got plans for Bianca to be champion at SummerSlam, there's a couple of more events before that. She can win it on a Monday Night Raw. And yeah. we've seen titles change before, but I'm with you. I think I, I think Rhea wins this here. I, I would do it in the first match um, and let Bianca get uh, uh, you know a, a chase or two out of it, and then and then win it back. I, I think it would serve her character. She'd be a lot stronger because right now, when you when the camera panned to her, Gino, she's kind of smirking and smiling. I don't think a lot of people like that version of Bianca. I know I don't. Bianca Rhea. Continuing forward, this could be a fun feud, and let's see if it can uh, it can help Bianca improve a little bit on the mic and uh, some of the uh, outside the ring work, which she's already so fantastic with all the uh, the in ring stuff. Gable beat Ali with sort of a roll up because Otis was distracting him, so maybe we get Ali going to find some help, and they have you know a little feud on TV for tag team. That's fine. Like again, when you have a three hour show. Not everything is going to be world title level for the title. If these guys are going to have a few week TV feud where we get Mustafa going to get someone to help him out, where we get, you know, Mustafa versus Otis, we'll get another Mustafa Gable match. As long as it doesn't go for six months, I'm fine with this being a few weeks or a month TV feud with some, you know, lower middle card guys. Uh, it, 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 He's being used, you know. He he could not that well. I mean, it was still short and roll up, but he he needs some comeuppets at some point, right? He does. He does. He, and he, at least he got a pay per view match. He did, and for the title, and got some, you know, got got a little bit of run in that match. But I agree with you. We don't want to see him be a joke. But I do like all of these guys. I think they have talent, and I'm fine with them. Being on the card you know someone's got to be On the card and serve a role like this and they're all Super talented they're going to make the best of what they're given I, and, and what And what do you do with him you know we, we Talked about this last week with him he Came back you know he was gone for a long Time he was pissed off upset You know social media got the Buzz came back hot with the theory And Miz segment and then and, You know got the pay-per-view match But even before the pay-per-view match It was kind of like yeah, it was kind of duddish, and I'm not blaming him. I know. And it, it and it hurts when the WWE universe, the live crowd, doesn't give you the opportunity either, because you could have a hell of a match, and if the WWE crowd is not it's quiet, it, it's going to seem ten times worse than what it actually is. He's being used, but now we're getting kind of jokish. Maybe he maybe he turns heel. I don't know. 
I, I don't know what you do with Ali at this point. I really don't know. Veer Mahan beat uh, – we had Ray versus Veer, and uh, Veer gets the win via submission. I, I still don't know what to think about Veer. You know, it's fine. He does, I, I think Veer I prefer to Omos. Sure. I think he's more imposing, and he's feels like you could do more with him. It's so weird to me that this is the guy that was in the Million Dollar Arm movie. He played baseball, and they don't talk about that at all. They never brought that up. <laughs> this is someone that they could have made into a character off of that alone. And I, it's so funny. They'll bring up low-level sports accomplishments for people. <laughs> this guy had like a some movie made about him. And uh, We don't need to discuss that. But we do need to discuss the theory invitational pose down because oh Vince McMahon, I know one thing about Vince McMahon. He <laughs> loves he loves himself a pose down. We've seen we've seen uh what well, well, uh Ico Pro, you know, from way back then. We know that Vince had the WBF, you know, we've sure. seen we've seen Ultimate Warrior and Rick Rude doing these. We saw Hogan posing all the time. Triple H and Scott Steiner in the pose off. And now we got Theory and Lashley in the main event of Monday Night Raw in the pose off. Uh, uh, vintage WWE. Right. It was just so cheesy. It is. I know. And then we get the baby oil to the eyes. I, look, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I've never gotten baby oils to the eyes, right? Me I neither. So I don't know if it blinds you or not. But Lashley did about as good job as you could have with it. I, it. It was pretty silly to end the show with this. Why Rollins, AJ, I would have even taken the Rhea promo with, with Bianca standing there at the announcer's table to end rather than this. Because I think you really, look, we were okay with this. We were like, hey, look, this is something new and fresh with Lashley and Theory. Um uh, then they do something. Look, poor Lashley has been in a an arm wrestling contest with Omos. The crap this guy has been through. I, you know what's funny? I went back and rewound it. The very beginning of this pose down, when Lashley's coming to the ring, he breaks. He just starts freaking laughing. And it wasn't like, hey, the crowd's into it. Hey, come on, guys. He starts <laughs> laughing. I don't know if Theory was laughing or or if Adam Pierce kind of broke and said, like, dude, yeah, we're 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 ribbing the hell out of you. But he just starts laughing. I think this match could be really, really good and fun. The storyline. I just don't know what this does to it, other than <laughs> just being it's it's vintage, silly WWE stuff. I hate that Raw ended with this. <laughs> you know, I just hated that it did. Let's uh, get on over to NXT. <laughs> yeah, we enough hey, said about the pose down. They're fantastic. You know what? I I like and I and this was Wade Keller, not Chad Cooper or myself. So take Wade Keller's words from the Pro Wrestling Torch. He was comparing who of the young guys in NXT or in AEW that we hear a lot about the really young guys that they're doing a great job with. And and they may have had done that with some of them at some points, but who right now of all of the young guys are they promoting and doing better and trying to get over more than th- than theories getting over right now in WWE? 
I, I can't answer that. <laughs> I mean, it's not MJF. It's not really oh. Sammy. It's not Darby. We don't even know where MJF is or what's going on with him. Right. Um, right. It's and not Sammy's back with, uh, Jericho. with Jericho, you know, but he's in, it's not, you know, Darby, he's, you know, in and out of things. He's not the main event type player. And Theory is the U.S. champ right now. He's on TV a lot. He's in a, a feud with Lashley. He was in the main event, closing the show out, you know, doing something goofy, but he gets a lot of TV time, and they put a lot into him. And he's someone that people want to see get punched in the face, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, look, they stuck the guy with Vince McMahon. It, it, uh, remember, remember the Golden Egg? It and works. We, you it, get you get a rub off Royal of it. Rumble? I think that was it, the Royal Rumble. So that was January. Yeah, so this it's guy goofy has stuff. Been, this guy has been pushed since January, and you hate him. I do. I don't want the guy. I, I want him to lose every match. I, I, I again. Keller's got a good point, and they've done. He's done a good job. What he's had to work with, he, he's a weaselly champion um, that makes him feel like bigger than what he actually is on the status of the roster. And I think him and Lashley are probably going to put on one hell of a match. I'm excited for it. I just hated that we had to do a uh, an end the raw with baby oil in the I eyes. Know. This should have been. This can be just. I'm, I'm always better with a match ending the show. I'm almost always better. Like this segment's got to be Stone Cold or a really cool legend back, or a really good setup for your a main event of a pay per view and a big feud, something like that. Otherwise, you're just better off with a match ending. You know, honestly, as uh, we get to NXT and we kick things off with the Creed Brothers. Now we uh, we have the Great American Bash coming up in just a few weeks. Creed Brothers versus Anofe and Malik Blade. This thing went almost 14 minutes. Really good match. Basic tag team stuff. And I mean, very, very nice way to open the show in the first, you know, 15, 20 minutes of NXT. Uh, look, nothing, nothing I can add to that other than we, we have stars here. They're all four. All, all four of these workers are really good. Um, the Creed brothers are just fantastic. I feel like this is what Braun Breaker should be feeling and going through is, is I know. The, this type of uh, they look more like the Steiners right now than don't they? That's they what just I'm they feel about. like the Steiners. They're just like this natural badass team. That yeah, and, and I don't know why WWE NXT has fought that. Maybe they have something planned later. I doubt it. But I, your tag team champions are they feel like a main event. They feel like a main event tag team. Absolutely. Right now, you can't tell me right now if those two guys showed up on SmackDown on Friday night that 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 place and the and the Twitterverse wouldn't go nuts. Standing next to the Usos across from them, you know, that would that would be awesome. We have uh, the ladies getting set up for the six women tag from later. So it was Indy Hartwell, uh, Roxanne Perez and Cora Jade. And they're just gossiping a little bit. You know what I will say? This is goofy, like everything that's going on. I don't mind it a little bit. I do think that I, I'm coming around to the pairing with Cora and Roxanne because it, it is sort of real. So they do know each other and they are kind of friends. And this is cool for Indy. She's pretty talented. They're making jokes about how she's like the old veteran, but she's only 25. So all three of these ladies are really, really young and they've got a ton of upside. They, they all could be, you know, could be nice stars for this company and, and you know, on the main roster for years to come. And I think they are, you know, I remember sen- seeing Indy 
uh, Hartwell uh, years and years ago uh, on the indie scene, um, just as solid as you come. Uh, Cora was someone who, um, you know, just a couple of years ago, um, you could see that she had a ton of talent and was going to go big time. And WWE was all, was not going to let her give away. Yep. And Roxanne, which I know is Roxy, I've seen her work dozens and dozens of times. Uh, the only thing that some of these girls have going against them is they're so young. I know, they're that's so it. Young. They're and just green, but they're... They can you really can, work inside the ring, man. And you can tell they like them because they're in the main event picture yep. right now. And they've been pretty much all along, like... They've always had good storylines for Indy. She was in the stuff with Gargano and then with Dexter and you know with Candy. So they she's always had really prominent stories and they've seen that she can she can do the WWE style of like comedy and skits and storylines exactly the way they like it. But then she can go in the ring and she's good. She's got good size too and and just that she's not tiny, but she's not big. She's like a, a she's she's you know, she can I think you can place her next to Charlotte And she doesn't look completely out of place But it's not like she towers over the the smaller girls Like Cora and Roxanne She's got a lot She she checks a lot of boxes And they uh, they actually defeat Toxic Attraction In the main event So what do you think we'll get the Cora, Roxanne For the tag titles And then Indy faces Mandy one-on-one At Great American Bash Yeah, I think so And wasn't it uh, a while back You and I and most of the NXT 2.0 universe was not happy that they didn't put the title, the women's title on core Jade. Mm-hmm. I, I think that was a good call. Now I agree. Now that you look, some things have happened. They're just not, somebody's not ready. Not that we're saying Mandy Rose is Charlotte, is Charlotte Flair. We're not saying that, but she's a heel that doesn't have to be a five-star worker, no. right? To, to keep the title. And I think they made a good call there. We, I look, agree. we give WWE a, a lot of hell for that. And, and remember we added one or two other people in that match and Cora didn't go over. And, and I think it was a blessing for Cora Jade because now I, I don't know if she would have had that title still to this day, if she would have won it a couple of months and ago. And she'll get it eventually. And she's going to be a better overall well-rounded worker and just have more for stories this. to tell when yes. she does, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I like that for uh for Cora. Um, and I, I wouldn't be shocked. I don't know if Indy's the one to beat Mandy, and maybe she is. Like maybe they like her. I, I we kept sort of thinking that it was gonna be Nikita, you know, and now we're not exactly sure what's going on with her from a health standpoint. So maybe you call an audible and maybe it is Indy who you go with and you have all three of them win and and beat Toxic Attraction all on the same night. Continuing on with the uh, the ladies, so we had Fallon Henry with a roll up and beat Tiffany Stratton. I didn't really like this because I think Stratton is good. I think she's someone who you want to start building as kind of like a next nice heel for this division. I don't want her losing kind of corny roll ups like this with Wendy Chu coming out there and distracting her. So I don't mind if Stratton's gonna have like Wendy Chu as like the next feud, but I I don't like her losing. I feel like she's like a nice project for them to work on now. No, and she's gotten better. And she just lost yeah. the match uh, to Roxanne well, she, last week. Mm-hmm. So this uh, should have been the win back, right? You come yes. back to get your win back to start building back up. 
Yeah, because who's uh, I, I like Fallon Hen- Henley. I like her. I've liked her Me on too. the circuit. No problem. But who is she beating? No, no. one. I, I mean, she's just been a sidekick to Brooks and Dunn. Mama Maria. She has definitely definitely been there. Mama Rio. Mama Rio. Rio. I, 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 which has been a great addition to Brooks and Dunn, but I don't think she needed this win. Hell, she what she lost in the first or second round of the tournament. She hasn't been a challenge. I, I would have brought Tiffany Stratton back strong in this year Me and too. had a good win. Now, if she goes on to beat Wendy Chu, I, I, I would be okay, but I don't think that's going to happen now. I think I, I think Wendy goes over her. I, I, I just Tiffany's gotten better. She's that blonde. You love to hate her. She's gotten really good on the mic. She was really green at first. I think she's gotten better. Did not like this decision or this match at all. We got a set up for Cameron Grimes, Braun Breaker. I like this. And uh, boy, did I didn't I miss this? I said, oh, he's gone. He, uh, who's he going to be on the red of the blue brand? Uh, I thought so hell, too. he's in the he's in the main event title picture now. I like this. I Me like too. this a lot. I think it just makes it it's it finally feels like something kind of intriguing for Braun. Yes, too. It, like something with a little bit of substance, you know, not the goofy Joe Gacy stuff. He was facing some legends here and there. I, I think this is a good use for both of these guys. And I don't, I don't think Grimes is going to win or anything, but you know, they're like, they like Grimes. He was just the North American champ. He's someone who's been on TV a lot for them for a while. If they feel like Braun is better as the baby face chasing, like we're saying, and they want to, have Grimes win and have him go after him again and have Braun get the win at SummerSlam. I don't on that paper, next pay-per-view, whatever it is. I I'm just intrigued by this. I love what he said about your dad, right? You you know, you get your the title's yours because of who your dad is, you know. And I, it's I, I I'm I'm intrigued by this. This feels like it could be good for both for Braun for this. I think even even in just he's gonna have a good match with Grimes. Grimes will sell all over for him And th- this could be Grimes is good on the mic too I think this will kind of hum- like Keep him a little more down to earth Than that Gacy stuff was Yeah, you know I, I hated the, We got here with him dropping the title And there's no really mention of it I, I yeah. don't like it But uh, it goes to show you That they don't want Apollo Crews Turning heel And if they would have put Apollo versus Braun Instantly he would have turned the the crowd would have turned on Braun. Yeah, we we talked about this. He would have been in deep crap early, early in his WWE career, and we don't want that because there's a lot of people, both sides, uh, men and women, who don't recover from that, and they end up in other promotions, and it doesn't go well. So I think this was a really good move here, even though we we didn't get an explanation of really you know why Grimes lost the title to Carmelo, and now and now he's up for this. I don't think people care. I think Grimes is going to play a good part, a good heelish, uh, uh, you know, bad guy in this situation. And I think it'll be good for Braun. Now, on the flip side, devil's advocate, Gino, if this doesn't help Braun, then I don't know what will. You got to turn him heel. Yeah, you got to. Full fledged. Yeah. Don't need the title. Screw you guys, fans. I, you know what? I'm, I don't need, you don't deserve me. I'm I'm bred for this business. Literally, I was born into this, and you disrespect me, you know. Boom, just badass, dude. Brock Lesnar, early Brock Lesnar, thinks he's too good for everybody, you know. Um, couple of cool things just to mention in passing. I like Wesley getting wins. Yes, he could be a really good babyface 
in this division with his size, he can go in the ring. I like this for him on his journey. The dyad gets a win, but we don't know who they are. So uh, <laughs> they they wrestle with the the hoods on throughout. Uh, Nikita is coming back, so that's a positive. And uh, you know, I kind of like Sangha a little bit, the big man. There's something to him, you know. He's in the back with uh, doing some skits here and there, so some things to mention in passing. Tony D, the family, um, he uh, he was pleased with stacks in two dimes, but, uh, but we know this was taped, and I think the next couple of weeks are are taped for what it's worth. But didn't wa- didn't two dimes get released? He just got released, so that's yeah. Troy Don. That was Troy. So yeah. we'll see if the family is going to be uh, changing up a little bit. But next week. We got the title match. Yeah. So it's going to be Tony D'Angelo versus uh, Cameron or versus uh, Carmelo for the North American title. Next week, we um, Braun beat Duke Hudson for the uh, the championship match on the show. Vinny, Vinny Vinci, Giovanni Vinci <laughs> shows up <laughs> and and gets the, the win over Guru Raj. And, uh, and then we had Carmelo and Trick beat. Um, you know, in that uh, Channing and uh, and Troy Donovan match. So, uh, altogether, you know, we talked about the the women's match, which ends up being the uh, the main event. There, I thought a pretty good show. There was a lot of things that were positives that I liked on it. I want to see a little bit better handling of Tiffany Stratton, but like the Creed brothers, like what they're doing with Wesley, like where we're going with Braun and Grimes. Um, yes. Positive stuff from Vinci. Thought all the stuff with the ladies, with Cora, Roxanne, Indy, and Toxic Attraction was was pretty good. It's intriguing there. And, um, you know, Carmelo versus Tony D next week, all, all stuff that I like. Yeah. Uh, no, really bad complaints here. There, there had a couple of moments, but I, again, we, we say it week in week out NXT 2.0. It, it, it's, it's like the easiest cool. watch for me. It is. It is. It just the two is. hours. They, they the just, it's kind of simple, you know, as we move on to AEW, which sometimes feels like good, but Again, if if you think we're sometimes a little too critical on AEW, li- listen to the one of the recent uh, PW torches with Wade Keller because they were talking. I think a lot of the same exact critiques that we have. Not that the matches or the talent is bad; they're awesome. But there's a Forbidden Door pay per view coming up now in a week and a half. Yeah, and and, and it feels a, a bunch of these matches have just gotten thrown together and just gotten put together and. Then next week they're gonna add probably a couple more. Now let me give AEW some slack here. They are dealing with some some problems that m- some are their fault, some are not. Right? Whatever happens with MJF, AEW's I'm gonna blame that on AEW. Right? I mean, just as like a management, your one of your employees is not happy. I don't know who's to blame for what's going on, but all I do know is that MJF was. The most entertaining part of their show For probably two years Like all of his segments, all of his feuds Were something that were We were probably always talking The most positively about He was just really good about Everything he was doing, the stuff with Jericho Was funny, all of that was good The, even back to Cody When he turned, the diamond ring stuff Then the stuff all along With Punk, then to Wardlow Like all of the, the feuds that he had Were Memorable. There were big moments. There were cool reactions. And now he's just gone. And so he would have been doing something 
on this show. He would have been in a major match, probably in Forbidden Door. Your champ Punk got hurt. Nothing you could do about that. That's unlucky. That's super bad luck. Who knows what was going to be happening with someone like Jeff Hardy? He may have been a part of this show. That was recent bad news. Jeff Hardy's not going to be wrestling for them. Adam Cole was hurt for a while. You know, that was us also a bummer. Brian Danielson's been hurt. We haven't even heard much about him. And when Zack Saber Jr. called him out and cut a promo after their show and basically said, Oh, yeah, I'm going to wrestle Brian Danielson. We haven't even heard anything about that. And there's one more week to set the show up. And I think this week overall, We'll go through some of the things I thought they did a pretty good job with with Will Osprey, just kind of how he looked this week. Hell but, of a match, hell of a match, Gino. But I'm awesome going to let you match. go through it. And I hope. Have you seen the ratings? No. I'll let you go. We'll go through this, and I will tell you. Uh, you, you give me the over under, or, or I'll give you an over under, and you tell me uh, how you think. Now, remember, there was no NBA game Wednesday night. Now there was Game One of the Stanley Cup, which I'm a big massive playoff hockey fan that match was fantastic and you know we we always have our little group chat and i I wasn't going to say it because i've said it many a times these matches don't equate to television ratings people don't know who they are in in america because we that you haven't presented them what so this is one of the things that wade was saying he said that tony khan books for himself it's the opposite of what Vince McMahon does, but they both book for themselves, right? But Tony is a hardcore wrestling fan, and so they are booking for all of the people who vote in the Pro Wrestling Observer Awards and who can tell you everything that happens in New Japan and on all of the different promotions. And I I watch a lot of wrestling. You watch a lot of wrestling, independent. I love watching as much wrestling as I can. I don't think you should make people – Feel bad for not knowing what who who some of these people are, and you have to when someone's on TV, on national TV in a new country for the first time, really being pushed. You have to give us some video package, some promotion. They run these studies, Coop, that shows that if they do a video package or a recap, they get like a slightly less rating rating, or some people turn away. But it's it's like you're investing. You have to do this to tell your story. Go uh, go on. I didn't mean to cut you off, but it's just these are things that I had written down about AEW that are gripes that other people have. It's not just me. The matches are all great, but there's a reason why they're not growing. Uh, no, and, and look, number one, it's uh, this is this is your show, pal. Um, you you cut you cut me off and cut a promo whenever you need to. Uh, <laughs> I, I, this episode of AEW uh, reminded me and I'm not a big New Japan I have watched it several times uh, when during its heyday uh, when I was searching to see the Young Bucks work when I wanted to see Kenny Omega um, this felt very New Japan uh, episode to me um, there was some fine matches Osprey and Dax were hey look man uh, the tag team match uh, was fantastic, but AEW is hurting for big storylines, and if they don't get their act together, look, this look, Khan has so much money, they could be around forever as long as they wanted to, but if they don't get their act together on some of this stuff, they're going to be so far behind WWE where they don't, they don't, 
they number one, they shouldn't be worried about WWE. They can bring in Sasha Banks. Uh, they can bring in Cesaro, Gino. It's not going to help. And wow, look, Coop, I just saw it. I just, just saw, saw it. it. Okay, I, I had to look. So I think this is an all-time low for them. But seven hundred and sixty-one thousand viewers is a nineteen percent drop from last week, and the look, key demo only three sixty-five. Which was the lowest demo since April 7th, 2021 A year and a half ago And yeah And, ranked. and look why, look There was a hockey game that came on an hour later We can't, look, we can't Look, we, we don't We don't. We didn't give Raw a free pass on Monday night At game 3 or game 4 Of the NBA Finals And the NBA this, play, and the NBA gets more ratings Right, look, uh, yeah, they What, 5, 6, 7 million a pop I, This is contributed To there's no storyline for these people. We talked about problem. it. Wardlow, what are we doing with him? A 20-on-one handicap match? I, I didn't care about that. You know, I, I just think they're going to have to make some decisions here pretty soon. I, I Like you said, we have a pay-per-view coming up, and it look, it does suck. It sucked that you lost Cody Rhodes. It sucked now that we're dealing with a lot of injuries, including CM Punk. It's going to be away for a while. I'm not going to uh, uh, present uh, uh, a rumor, but I'm hearing there could be a lot more things wrong than 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 Brian Danielson than just a foot injury. There, there could be some some head neck injury, concussion like stuff for this guy. He may be out. Uh, it looks like they're going to put the rocket back on Moxley. We've kind of been there, done that. They're going to have to do some different things. If not, they're they're gonna have to answer answer to some executives why their ratings are not very good anymore. And they've so and what's hard is that they're lower now with the the no NXT competition, and they're also lower now with a much more expensive roster. You know, think about how many people you've spent a lot of money on to bring in. And to pay to be on your TV or to pay to be on your roster And I think AEW has so many talented people They have so many people who want to put on a good wrestling show But they want to put on a good wrestling show For a small group of people Who they already have as their fan base And if they really want to grow a little bit They have to do things slightly different They have to be a little more WWE Not a lot You have to, sure Not a lot In just the way you produce your shows, the way you you lay out your shows, Chad. There were so many things going on this show that are really cool. Yes, good good matches. There were two like awesome matches on this show, and even the first match with Jericho stuff was was kind of fun. Even the Osprey, who I think is a really big deal, and he's to me, I think Osprey is a lot bigger deal than Orange Cassidy. I oh. did sort of. I did sort of when they were in the ring standing at and looking at each other. Osprey has kind of got a good he he's kind of funny and goofy. He he will make that work and they'll do some good stuff in the ring. But damn, they tried to do so much on this show and I don't even really know but and everybody comes out of the show going, "Okay, wait. So what what was set up? So who's who's <laughs> facing who and who?" Right? And look and why? So I, I, and I, when? It wasn't Wade. It wasn't Wade Keller. It was one of the Wrestling Inc. guys. It may have been Raj. This build up to the Forbidden Door basically is forbidden. 
It has just been yeah. bad. It's just yeah. like something that they have to go through. And it just feels like, again, one of our biggest complaints with AEW week in and week out is there's so much outside interference after every match. You're a sports guy, so you probably know Tyrone Woodley. What? Who cares about two UFC guys that aren't even active in the UFC getting involved for a spot? Look, I know Dan Lambert's good on the mic. What has he brought to AEW? Nothing. It's not growing. This is not growing. And we had two. Look, if WWE had two five-star matches every week on Monday and Fridays, they would be off the charts. But this is how far, how different these two these two companies are. You you got really two badass matches. You and did. it was. I, I, Osprey in, in the main event, the ladder match. But those are good. Those are real. And that was what we want from the Young Bucks, right? We thought it made sense. And that's what like, we wanted. Let's go make major positive too, right? Because we've been getting sure. a little critical. Major sure. positive. Main event was great. The, and, and the Young right Bucks, title change. Right title. Young Bucks should be winning. And you waited way too long to do it. But Christian at, should be in the mix. And at least it's going to do something for Jungle Boy with yes. Christian having like a one-on-one there too. So I thought all of that stuff positives major positives major positives for me and that that's all really good sure the even the first match jericho versus ortiz hair versus hair i love when we get the jericho appreciation (laughs) society the worldwide (laughs) leader in sports and entertainment for over 14 weeks you know whatever it is jericho wasn't gonna lose his mop no no and (laughs) and then ortiz decides that he's just gonna shave it himself which was, was badass, fine. yeah. No which problem. I thought was cool because he's saying blood and guts, and he's actually bleeding a little on his head sure. as he's shaving his head from the blood because he's kind of cutting it with the with the raise uh, the buzzer. And Sammy, an, another positive. Sure, well, everything they did with Sammy Guevara and his girlfriend Ty completely backfired. They thought yes. they were baby faces. Nobody liked them. No. Everybody wants no. to hate them. And it, so at, at least they turned them and realized. It's not going great. Put them back with Jericho because they it makes sense. And Jericho sits there and goes, Look at these two making out, or they'll have sex anywhere <laughs> they want to. And then they just start making out. And that was that was funny. So I don't mind the hey, you know what? We got to call an audible. That didn't work. Let's not try to force it. Let's make these people heels that everybody hates. They'll all and, and we'll kind of put them together. So I'm I'm okay with it, right? I like I don't mind the pairing of them together. Sammy came out and he was sort of he was the reason why Jericho won because he helped them cheat. So he's back in the mix with them. I I don't have a problem with that, but they're just we're we're gonna have I have a couple other problems, Coop, uh, with the with a few minutes before we uh we get out of here. Wardlow. So we got uh, Wardlow versus the 20 plaintiffs. It was like the court. You know, they're doing Wardlow in the court and it's campy. It's goofy. I don't, I don't mind this in a vacuum. I don't sure. mind this as a segment with someone on your roster. I don't even mind this with Wardlow a couple years down the line, but not right now. The guy just squashed the hell out of MJF. He is the most over. Hottest star or like that hottest that he's ever been in his career. You've obviously put a ton of time and TV and energy and money into this guy. And you don't have something else ready for him. Like he's not going to be on this new Japan show or he's going to be. Is it the TN? Is he wrestling for? He told us he didn't want to go for the main title. He wanted (laughs) to go 
for another title. Why would so, you say number one? That doesn't make why, – why did you – then you had Adam Page tell us within the last couple of weeks he's not getting a title shot anytime soon. Why? Why wouldn't he be in the mix? One. Yeah. He just lost the title. He's been in the title picture a lot throughout the few years of this company. Is there something that we don't know? Why doesn't why did he just say in passing, well, yeah, I'm not gonna get I'm not gonna be in the title picture for a while. You if the guy that beat just beat you is gone, wouldn't you be the next logical person to be in the mix? Why didn't you tell us why you weren't in that battle royal either? Right. There's been a I don't I think you pegged this a long time ago with uh, uh, you saying that they're booking for a small piece of the, the pie, and I just don't think they they give enough uh, not credit, but I, I just think they think that we're so smart that we know everything that's going on and it's gonna be okay. Like like this, every the, person okay. doesn't. It gets too no. it gets too much for everyone because it, it's obvious they're not growing. Okay, we we got that. We get it. They've been uh, around a, a million. They haven't really faced a debacle yet in three no. years. I think and this is it right now. Hit. Right now look, they're going think, through it. Look, there was a big hit with Cody Rhodes leaving, but look, Gino. Cody Rhodes left in a time where Cody Rhodes really wasn't all that involved in AEW, no. especially on TV, right? So this is your first big, not hurdle, there, there's some turbulent waters going on over there. And then you have Tony Storm go over Britt Baker. Um, it really why did why did Britt win the tournament? Why? why? This is exactly what it they did no with sense. the title. Why didn't you let Britt? Tony win it? They did this with Britt and Thunder Rosa, too, and, and it it was like is there something that they feel with Brit? This is what bothers us, everybody, about 50-50 booking. Why does Brit need that tournament win? Why did Brit need to beat Tony there? Why not have Tony just win that match, come back, beat Brit again, and then she goes and faces Thunder? And she's got the title. She can go. I don't know. Why? Why did she lose it looks that? Like, you know, it looks like we're going that direction now with with probably Tony and, and, and uh, Thunder, Thunder Rosa. Rosa. But this win over Britt Baker on Wednesday night did absolutely nothing. All After it did she just was lost. It, it made it look like that AEW, that Britt Baker, they can't piss her off. They're going to give her the title, uh, but, uh, or whatever title, the, the, the Owen Hart, they got belts for that. Adam Cole got a belt. You know, he's hurt now. It just doesn't, we don't have short-term memory in professional wrestling. Believe us, we will bring stuff up Stuff up that happened 20 years ago that still is stuck in our crawl. That win over Britt Baker on Wednesday night on Dynamite really, really infuriated me because that should have what happened in the tournament. And, and, and the fan base and your crowd and the wrestling audience would have appreciated that. Why would you bring Tony Storm in to lose in that situation? Anyway, is beyond me. It's the same with Ruby Soho. Why did she get it? it? Look, I understand you pushed her to the top in that match with Britt, but she tapped out and she's never recovered from that match. That loss, Gino. She's never recovered. Okay. Never Another recovered. thing, Justin, you're 100% right. In small passing, I know we're going to finish up right now here, Coop, in the next five minutes. Why, you, you bring in Matt Hughes and, Ty, and, and Tyron Woodley. Matt oh, Hughes okay. is someone. He was in. He almost died in a train accident. He can barely move. He's the guy you and you can you and you see him physically. He when you watch him, he can't walk around all that well. The guy almost died. He was in a crazy accident. 
Why would you put him in a situation where he's got to like jump the guardrail and walk into the ring when people don't know the story of him? Nobody's told like, do they think that everyone who's watching that knows who I don't know that I didn't know anything about that. I, I did know that I was watching this going, what happened to that guy? Why is he walking? Like, you know, you can't, you, you wonder. And then you read and they're like, oh yeah, this guy was in a crazy accident. He almost died. So why do you put him in that spot? If you're going to have him get involved, have somebody walk over towards him by the ringside and he can throw a punch or something. I don't know. It's just, it's little things like that where don't, don't do something like that. And, and cause we're all asking the questions. Do people, does everybody know who Matt Hughes and Tyron Woodley are? I don't, I don't think so. And no. now you're trying to introduce all these new Japan people because you have a show building up with New Japan, and now you've got a couple more UFC people that nobody really knows. You didn't give us any video packages. You didn't give us any buildup, any setup. WWE does too much of that. They'll recap something that just happened five minutes before, but you always know what's going on. You always know what's happening. It's it's never so convoluted. And uh, yeah, that Will Ospreay Dax match was awesome. They've done a really good job with Dax, making yeah, him have. just look like. You know, look like a star, and it's hard and to do that with tag teams because look at the Hardys. They I get mean, look. You get pigeonholed. Look, take take the take the all the the negative stuff and the demons and uh, away from from the Hardys. Uh, yeah, Hardy Jeff Hardy's been in some good one on one matches, but you can't tell me they've been on things. You know what what FTR has been able to do as single competitors. I, that 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 match was solid. Was as solid as you get. Look. AEW has put on tons of solid matches. The problem is, after that, or even before that, what's next? What's next? There's not. It's hard to do what's next. It's very hard to do, man. I wish they'd get it together, but they're at the crossroads now. There's a lot of problems with a lot of injuries. Uh, Your your television audience has taken a deep, deep dive over one week. They can make it right. I, I think this pay per view comes at a is horrible timing for me them. too because they're people this. don't know enough about a lot, and it's I don't think no. they're going to get a lot of buys on this, and they haven't built it well, and they're just missing. They're just missing like their biggest draws. Punk isn't on there. Omega isn't going to be on there. Those are guys that would would sell this pay per view a little bit more. I don't know what's going on. Is out. I think look. He, Look, Sting is one of the biggest names in, in pro wrestling history. I don't know if he's been hurt or not, but I saw it advertised earlier today. Oh, well, Sting comes back on Friday night rampage. And it was taped Wednesday night. Why didn't he just come back for dynamite? Start putting that guy in the ring a little bit. You know, I, I don't I don't know. Then they I, announce I, I'm negative about it because I they, want it to be good. It, it needed to be built better than this. The idea yes. and the concept is awesome. All of the wrestlers are awesome. The in-ring work is going to be good, but they didn't tell this story well enough. They told us Okada was going to be here, and now they're saying Okada might not be, probably isn't going to be on the show. Then Jay White, uh, Hangman said he was going to wrestle Okada. Then Jay White won the title. So now it, he said he was going to wrestle Jay White. And then Adam Cole said, no, I'm going to wrestle Jay White. But Jay White said, no, nobody's going to wrestle me. And then JR said, wow, what a great segment. What? (laughs) What? What are you talking about? They didn't say anything. We don't know what's going on. There's one more week to build your show up. How is that a great segment? He just said he wasn't going to wrestle anybody. 
I don't. Do you, do you think they can afford to keep MJ off, MJF off TV for much longer? I know, and they're not. They don't. No mention of him at all. Nothing. At least, at least say, hey, yeah, this is this this, this is not a gimmick. It's it, this is this is a work. Say that. Nothing. You know, hell, hey, WWE never really. You know, they usually sweep things under the table. I'll give them credit. They they stepped up to the plate and said, hey, Sasha Banks and Naomi. They disappointed everyone. Hell, I would have done the same thing. I would have had people cut promos on the guy. Positive. Moxley comes out. He cuts a good promo. He always he, like does. A real, yeah. he, and, and like really good promo. And he's doing a fantastic job of trying to get over Tanahashi and make him feel important. And I'm starting to kind of get there. And he's talking about how, you know, I've been chasing you for the last few years. And you kept ducking me and I've been wanting. And then Jericho comes out. Yes. And Jericho has to like set up. A bunch of stuff, and all of a sudden, <laughs> I'm completely taken out of like one of the better builds that they're giving me of, of Tanahashi, and and all of a sudden I'm like trying to do the math in my head. Jericho comes out, and then Sam, Sammy and Ty are there. He mentions that they're Was both that part of Rest as Fuego de Sol. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. He. He was earlier in the night. That was when he came out into distract when he was dressed as Fuego okay. Well, when he helped him win the match to start. So then he introduces them as part of the Jericho Society. And then they, the Jericho Society all runs out. As they run out, Lance Archer and Desperado come up <laughs> from behind. Where's Lance Archer been? <laughs> and it's because they have a connection to Suzuki, who is in New Japan. They're in Suzuki Gun. Jericho has to cut this like five minute promo explaining everything because they just tried to throw. Oh yeah. By the way, they're both back in the Jericho appreciation society. Here's why they're here. They (laughs) I they're on loan from me. We're going to all be in a match, but no, not those guys. They're not in the match. It's me, Sammy and Suzuki. Suzuki's not here. We're going to be in a six man against some of Ambrose's cronies, Wheeler, Yuta, and then other people that are also not here. (laughs) <laughs> and didn't we uh, didn't we get a couple of New Japan slash old Ring of Honor guys come out? There was Jeff Cobb, I think that was uh, in the in the and opening because they're those so are many. those are Ospreys guys. Yeah, so they came out so many earlier in when Osprey and Orange Cassidy had their their face off because they're so there's another faction of all these people. Who poor Excalibur is like, and then there's a cop and he's on the morning. It's like he's like an auctioneer trying to go through everything. So we've been negative, but let me say one or one positive thing before we get out of here. Yeah. Hero is freaking over. Oh, he's great. And and you gotta put this title on him. And but the problem is he should have been your interim champ, like right now. It should have been Miro. He should have been in that battle royal, and if you saw the right now that this guy is hot, he should have won this freaking title and held on to it. And then when CM Punk comes back, you could have Punk beat him if you want, and that could be a fun feud. But it, or Miro against Ma, whatever. But Miro should have been in the battle royal. He should have been trying to get that title. Why did he not care about that title either? There have just been too many things that didn't make sense recently. They're trying. They have too many titles. They're trying to have everybody look strong. Nobody really get decisive wins. 50-50 booking. Keep everybody happy. And you know who's not happy right now? A lot of fans because they're not watching over the last couple of weeks. And, and, and that's the thing. Look, if you get mad at a company or if you get mad at a business, 
But, you know, it's easy to go on social media and blast them because it's just become the, the popular norm to do that things. But you know where you, where you can stand up best is don't shop there. Don't buy their product. Don't watch their product. Yeah. Yep. You may not have a bad experience ever going to this restaurant and you just may just want to pile up. Just don't go there. And when people stop tuning out, you know, I, I, I remember the buy rate for the last pay-per-view, the, the big one in Las Vegas, it was what, 120. I forgot what they said. I don't know how that stacks up, but it was, it was below expectations. And now you're hearing rumors that there's, there's more executives that are starting to go to these live television tapings and things. I'm not saying they're going to change, but if you want to sustain yourself as a real, real competitor to the number one product, you've got to start doing things differently. And Hey, next week it may go back up to 900,000, but that's not a big, that's not a big difference. And look, when WWE, when, when their stars get hurt and go down, Hey, they, they, you got to turn to other things and other builds and you can't just keep signing everybody. Sasha Banks is not going to bring you 1.5 million people. I just think that, as I said a couple of moments ago to my last negative with it, I think this is, and it's not AEW's fault, this timing of this pay-per-view that makes really no big difference to their storylines other no. than giving somebody an interim title is coming at the worst time. So after that, they better get it in gear and they better find some different things that works for them. They've got studs. They've got people that are awesome. I think Miro would be better at your AEW World Heavyweight Champion right now than anybody on that roster. And why he's not involved, beyond me. Why Wardlow is not involved is beyond me. I agree. Koopaloop, my man, thank you so much, buddy, for another edition of This Week in Wrestling. We will uh, be back to talk about much more next week, and uh, we'll see if AEW can sort of turn the corner as they build for Forbidden Door. Thanks so much, Koopaloop. Talk to you soon, brother. My favorite time of the week, Gino. Have a good weekend. Each and every week, give him a follow at the Chad Cooper on social media there. You'll get great info, lots of great pictures from this fantastic photographer, Koopaloop. Big thank you to this week's guests for helping out. Eric, finishing up another sport NBA season is in the books. Thank you to Samantha for helping us talk some Monmouth Park on a big weekend out there with a, a big Saturday of stakes races. And then Koopa Loop, we're able to hit on everything going on in the world of wrestling. We'll be back and uh, diving into episodes one and two of Miss Marvel with Tim Kelly. Coming up in just a few days, we'll have episode five, part five, the deep dive recap and review of Obi-Wan Kenobi with Matt Velasco, and we'll have more Louisiana Downs racing for you coming up. Best of luck this weekend, everyone, and uh, here comes Joey Cleveland.